Welcome to Scum, Beer, and Villain, a podcast about beer, geekery, and everything in between. I'm Marcel Harper, your host, and I've been brewing beer for 10 years now, and I'm the author of the beginnerbrewer.com blog. I'm joined, as ever, by my host and fellow nerd, Matt Bezeling. If Matt was a Star Wars character, his name would be Basmet Daynor. Basmet Daynor. Yes. I like that. I like that. I use the official Star Wars methodology. By going on the websites and putting yes. my name into the translator machine. Pretty much. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I might start using that in actual I real life now. Basmet Daynor is cool. It sounds... I don't know what sort of character you'd be, Matt. Maybe like a... I think like Bounty Hunter. Definitely Bounty Hunter. Basmet, yeah. Basmet yeah. Daynor. Yeah. But flawed. He's a flawed character. Very flawed. Yeah. Very flawed. He's heavily into the spice. The spiced wine. He likes the, he, he likes he likes a Friday afternoon down at the cantina. Yeah, he likes talking more than really doing any work. Uh, he talks about all the you know guys he's going to hunt down, yeah, but yeah. never does. I'm going to take those guys down after this next. Yeah. My 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 story's name is very unimpressive. It's it's Harmar Harmel or something. It sounds more sort of like a, a regional governor, definitely regional imperial governor. He's got some administrative duties. Very, very much so. He's the guy you need to go to to get the form to release the speeder. <laughs> which they, They've wheel clamped. <laughs> yeah, they wheel clamped because you double parked it. <laughs> so today, as the music um, and everything else about us might indicate to the listeners, is the official Star Wars episode. We always talk about Star Wars. We are obsessed by it. And much of the, uh, you know, sort of creative impetus for this podcast comes from there. But we've never really done an official Star Wars episode. And today is that day. Uh, uh, just before, we might we may actually have done an official one. We just can't remember We it. may also have forgotten Just that. completely yes, forgotten it. Absolutely. So, so there's no time like the present. Yeah. And so we're, we're going to do an official day of Star Wars geekery. We are going to talk a lot about, I'm sure... The trailer, which has just recently been released. That just happened. That just happened. So we're probably, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but as we record, it's literally been a few days since the, the episode nine trailer was released. Yeah, like 36 hours, I'd say. Yeah, and actually, as it happens, Matt, quite coincidentally, this is episode nine of yeah. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a symmetry there. There's a symmetry there. I feel a disturbance in the force. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're, and we're going to talk a lot about the movies we like and didn't like. So yeah. today we're also going to do a bit of a Star Wars rank order. It's not a Star Wars draft because we are going to talk about all the Star Wars movies, excepting the animated ones. Um, but Matt and I decided we will rank our best and worst Star Wars movies once and for all. Yes, yes, which then becomes the conclusive final ordering of those. The canonical um, ordering yeah. it will become. So all opinions up until now have been are, are rendered completely void. Yeah, they're crap anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you, if you had an opinion before, that it give it up. Give it up. Immediately adopt <laughs> ours. What we say is true. To the extent that Matt and I will differ, and we will, uh, there will be there will be murders in the podcast studio as we resolve our differences in the old-fashioned way. <laughs> A duel by penis, <laughs> strangulation. <laughs> Beating or, each other with... Or deal by penis, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I do believe that that is the traditional method of oh, indeed, yeah. settling all ills. So, Matt, we are going to start, as always, with our intro beer. We are. We are, and we're... Um, and you're forgetting the intro beer song again. Oh, oh shit. Uh, it, it's been a while. It's um, been a while. Intro beer, intro beer. Ah, 
I like that last one. Yeah, that yeah. was good. That yeah. was a real Michael Jackson yeah. movie. There. I've been watching a lot of American Idol, so. Uh, cool. Okay, so intro beer. This We're is a mystery intro beer. I want you. To, I know what beer this is, but you do not. No, so I don't. I want you to comment on this beer and tell me what you think. So it's a, it's a very nice and clear straw color. You can read through this beer. For a given value of read. Indeed. But, uh, the aromas are very pineapple for me. Very tropical. It's a, there's quite a hopsy mm. notes there. Nice tropical hops. But not super hopsy taste. Mm. So the, those are the kind of, that's the kind of notes I'd get that I'd like to get from, a, from an IPA. Yeah. But, but not so much an IPA. But not so much an IPA. Yeah, it's not very bitter. It has a bitter aftertaste, definitely. It's not sweet. It's, it's very crisp. Very nice crisp. There. Nice and refreshing. You know, it's not it, mm. it's it's not very bitter or very sweet or very dry or whatever it might be. Yeah, and and the maltiness is is very much in the background. Mm. I mean, the the citrus flavors actually stay with you for the longest for me. It's it's sort of almost that's that's the predominant player. Mm, it's nice. It's it's very easy drinking. Very. So uh, what, what would you the, guess is, this is? Is the word session anywhere in this? <laughs> it's very sessionable. <laughs> sessionable. This is a very sessionable beer indeed. So, I mean, what, what sort of style would you guess this is, man? Um, it's not a vice. It's not an IPA. Um, it, it may be a lager. No, not quite lager, no. Not, not uh, dry enough. Not enough yeah, sulfuric not an, yeah. enough flavors. It's not the sour beer that you're so no, it's fantastically no. into. No, well, it's not sour. That no, tastes sour at all. No. I mean, it's a very nicely balanced, crisp, yeah. refreshing yeah. Uh, brew. Yeah. It's an ale. Ale, yeah. Yeah. So the, the predominant style is blonde. It's a blonde ale. It's nice. Very Moorish. Mm, very Moorish. And what, what, sort of, uh, what sort of ABV would you say this is? Um, I'd say relatively light, eh? Mm. So about 4%. So this is where my <laughs> revelation comes in. You're about to smash me with a 9.8%. This, is, this, is a- this beer contains no alcohol. Oh really? Yeah. You you you've been talking about this beer. <laughs> yeah. You've this, been talking about this beer. This is, is this the the Mad Giant? The Devil's Peak. The Devil's this Peak is, Zero alcohol. This is Devil's Peak Zero to Euro Ale. It's it's the only zero percent alcohol ale I know of, because all the other ones on the market are lagers. Mm. And it's a thing. It's this is a great beer. It's uh, uh, you you've kind of blown my mind. Yeah. Because that doesn't taste like a zero alcohol. It does ale. not. It does not. And I mean, it's magnificent to think that you can have as many of these as you like. I mean, it's never going to affect you. It's low in, in calories as well, if you're counting those. Well, um, this explains why it's so sessionable, because a yeah. session on this and you can still go out and operate heavy machinery. Yeah, I mean, this is about half the calories of a, of a beer of similar volume. And um, I, mean, I would rather drink this than cool drink any day of the week. What's impressive about this is that it's, it tastes like a beer. It tastes like a beer, and that is very difficult to achieve and come out with the, no alcohol at the end exactly. of it. Exactly. I mean, we're used to no alcohol beers being sort of funny. They, they taste weird. They yeah. often have a, a, a steeliness to them or a, a sort of a flint-like quality, which is very unpleasant. Yeah, or they go very malty. Yeah, or very bitter because yeah. are, the, the malt is so, you know, so sort of muted that the, 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 the bitterness of the hops just sort of predominate. Um, I also think the reason for this is that it is an ale, so they use an ale yeast, and I believe that this is actually a different method of producing non-alcoholic beer. This is a beer; it's a proper it's, beer. It actually tastes like a beer. It feels it feels vaguely wrong mm. to to be drinking a beer that doesn't have any alcohol in it. Yeah, but when it actually tastes like a reasonable beer, exactly, it's very hard to. And it's got ale characteristics. It's yeah. got that fruitiness. It's got the the depth of flavor. It's very refreshing. I mean. 
but I think it, it's it's a far better and refreshing drink, and and probably healthier than your your soft drinks, which have a shitload of sugar in it. Yeah. I mean, this has reasonably little residual sh- sugar in it, yeah. so it's it's actually much healthier. What kind of calories are we looking at here? Uh, it's about two hundred uh, per bottle, two hundred mm. kilojoules. Mm. Uh, that's the way we counted it over here in South yeah. Africa. So calories, I think you divide it by four. Yeah, it's, yeah, times by four divided yeah. by four. Yeah. So it's very very little. Yeah. Um, it, it it far less than a, a typical soft drink which has sugar in it. Well, I mean, it, it probably sits, you know, around the same calorie count as the the kind of low carb low calorie beer no it's less way less well but it also and it also tastes better yeah because the, the the alcoholic ones like castle light for instance which is popular in south africa they it's about actually, 120 per 100 mils or something they they've it's not that low actually i mean it's 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 about 100 kjs less than a proper mm. so-called you know normal calorie beer yeah so they they shave off a 100 of you know kilojoules not a lot yeah I mean, this is literally, it's 200 kilojoules per beer. I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, a typical sort of regular Heineken or something would be about 550. Mm. Um, same volume. So it's it's about half. Well, it's it's very surprising. It's a very Isn't surprising. It? I mean, I was super surprised. when I, I mean, I first had it and thought, ah, this is going to be like every other non alcoholic beer mm. I've had. And it's, this was a revelation for me. It's a great choice for an intro beer. Mm. Especially as we implement our new socialist <laughs> approach to We're sharing all the beers, sharing yeah. the beers, no so more individual beers here yes, on the podcast, so so that our yeah. podcast doesn't devolve entirely into indeed slurs about my yeah. mother, and you know our personal lives don't implode as our yeah. bitter yeah. halves get really angry. At us. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is—I mean, this is a great intro beer because obviously we could all have as many as we like, and uh, we wouldn't be affected by it. Mm. That's really, really—that's really interesting and really nice. Yeah. Yeah. How how hard are Devil's Peak pushing this? I mean, is it very? It's available at Woolworths, so that's where I buy it. Mm. Um, so they've got it in major chain stores around the country. You can see it in any liquor store. Um, they're selling it at restaurants now. I've seen it pretty widely distributed across uh, South Africa. How nice is the glassware we're using? We're using I, Rustal glassware, I, 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 stemware. Yeah, I didn't even know that this was something that existed. It's lovely, isn't it? It's so, yeah, it's like a beer wine glass. It's like a beer wine glass, yeah. So it's meant to be, you know, specifically designed for tasting beer properly and especially your Belgian beers, but any beer really is better in this glass. Better it is. But you, <laughs> yet to be confirmed you, by our empirical uh, taste. I was gonna say you got a you got a thing for glassware. We've we've discussed this. We we must yeah, we really do must you know, we must do the definitive scientific yeah. study on yeah. where the glassware affects beer taste. Exactly. And and our control will be just a bucket of beer. A bucket, a and plastic bucket. A plastic of bucket of mixed <laughs> beers, and we're going to see whether that tastes as good as what, this fine I'm not sure this is, is going to pass science muster, man. <laughs> don't don't uh, go be all down on my scientific method. Cool. So, yeah, the intro beer. Uh, zero to zero lovely. from uh, Devil's Peak. What a, what a lovely beer. Yeah, very surprising. Very, very surprising. I'll, I'm, I'll definitely get a mm. bunch of that. My my wife, who you know is yeah. breastfeeding, is this. Oh, this is sounds brilliant. like a great idea. That's a that that was a very interesting uh, intro beer. Intro beer, yeah. Today's beers we're going to have are perhaps less important than the theme of the show, which is as I said before, Star Wars. And there is really no beer which can match Star Wars for me in any kind of consistent way. So I thought I'd just pick up a couple of beers which looked really interesting to me from the liquor store, and we're gonna. Drink them and comment on them throughout the show and see where it leads. I, I like that, your total lack of dedication to thematically yeah. linking. 
I did. I, I was here's here's an idea which we will have in a future podcast, which I actually had to begin with, which was given that you and I both collaborate on this podcast and we, you and I both love Star Wars. I thought like a nice theme would be collaboration beers, right? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, nice. Uh. But uh, alas, that was not to be. No. Uh, some you... of, some of the beers we're having today are collab uh, collab beers, but not all. But of not them. all of them. Mm. So. Not, um, so not a theme. Not a theme. But uh, collaboration is becoming a new theme in, in South African craft beer as well as overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly it's really hit our shores in a big way. And so you're seeing way more collaboration beers and even some with overseas breweries, which are really nice. So now you have cross-national collaboration, which has been happening overseas for quite some time, but uh, is now coming to South Africa and it's exciting. Mm. You know, So you have... Danish South African beers now. You've got American South African beers. So it's it's, a, it's the UN of beer, man. We are <laughs> it just brings us creating world peace one beer at a time. One beer at a time, yeah. Uh, despite the best efforts of North Korea and America to try and blow us all to hell. Sure. Well, you know, they're just misunderstood. On that topic Agre- of hell. Agree. <laughs> I, I, re- I can't wait for this. I don't really know how I'm going to segue into this. But uh, we've just... You and I both have obsessively watched the episode nine trailers. What do you think of episode nine? I mean, let's talk about the movie which we haven't seen yet yeah. because it's not out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can't rate it either. What do you think? Um, I got to tell you, I'm in, I'm in two minds. Like, you know, one, the my the the first response was mm. a, was a visceral hype, yeah, complete overwhelming. Oh my god, I'm this is going to be amazing. Mm. Thing. I mean, that first scene of of uh, the Tie Fighter duel. Yeah, yeah, and Ray's there. It's pretty she, cool. She does like a lightsaber jump over, yeah. the th- and that's rad. And then you know, after watching it for the seven or eight hundredth mm. time, um, it's like you brought the Emperor back. Well, I'm not sure they brought the Emperor back. There's uh, a lot of speculation about that. Oh, come on, it's. Well, I guess the idea is it's that Ian no McDonald's one... voice, it's, it's... I don't know if it is his voice. <laughs> dude, that... Look, if they haven't, if they haven't brought it back... Snoke or someone. Could no, be Snoke. No, no, it can't be, no, it's not Snoke. It's not Snoke. Well, they it, do say no one has ever really gone. So I guess the well, message being that if, if the good Jedis become Force ghosts, don't the evil ones also have their own little... Sure. Well, well, apparently, according to canon, they can't have Force yeah. ghosts because they're too linked to the physical mm. or whatever it might be. Um I mean, George Lucas bullshitted his way through everything, so whatever. Um, you know what? Look, I, I, if it's not Palpatine back, if it's, if it's not him back, then it's a great bait and switch and well done to them. If he is back, it feels a bit lazy. But then there's a third thought that goes through my head, which is that Snoke was probably the worst big bad in the history of the Star Wars kind of canon. He did absolutely nothing. So if they're bringing him back, mm. that's going to be super disappointing. Yeah, he's a very disappointing villain. I mean, like, I don't understand why they were so reluctant to just explain a little bit more about him, you know? Like, why mm. the mystery? He's just sort of a stand-in. He's a bad guy you've never seen my, before. Yeah. My, my theory he about kept. this, my theory about this is, and it goes to your concept of collaboration, that I think that this, this Star Wars series, this, you know, the, this current Star Wars series, is the result of, a cap, of quite a wide-ranging mm. collaboration with Kathleen Kennedy and... Uh, Lucas's storyboards and J.J. Abrams being involved and then Ryan Johnson comes on and that collaboration sometimes you lose a sense of purpose Mm. and a real direction and I you know we'll we'll get to my thoughts about the Rise of the Jedi what was the Last last Jedi and stuff like that which I didn't think were terrible films in fact in many ways I think they're incredible films but I do think they lost a lot of direction in terms of a broader overall Mm. 
uh, story. And also, I think I think you can't deny that there's a whole bunch of fan service in these movies. And of course, so it, it seems, sometimes seems to sort of override the basics of good storytelling mm. to just mm. put fan service in. You know, we have to we have to make these people happy. Mm. Yeah, but, but you, you see, you're not going to make anyone happy because The Force Awakens was fan service from start to finish, mm. and it's currently looked on more favorably than Did than it? the second one. You know, and yeah. it's it's kind of like, well, what do they have to do to make people happy? Uh, you well, know? They never make everyone happy, and I mean, some again, like any subculture, there's always these hardcore mm. nerds who will cannot be made happy because it now doesn't include their favorite little mm. side novel plot yeah. or some yeah, shit. They like didn't. That. They didn't include Boba Fett's grandchild wearing his armor in yeah. the background of the casino scene. It's like I'm, I'm not a fan of those minutiae of of, of the storylines. Actually, I mean, I, I can consume them and mm. enjoy them. I did read at least one of those novels, which which was like post. Jedi, yeah, yeah. with Admiral Thrawn, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the Thrawn, there was a trilogy of Thrawn novels. Yeah, and I mean the cartoon stuff as well, you see now on Netflix. It's fun, but I mean, I'm still much more a fan of the, the basic movies, you know, like mm. just just let's stick to the movies and nothing else and just take them yeah, sure. as their own narrative, you know. Sure, sure. I think the, the you know, the problem is people are people and they, and they crave story and they crave narrative and, the, you know, the, so that's what's provided to them. You, you, we can't have one you know trilogy every 15 years <laughs> you know people want more than that and as you as you can see that you know on the back of nothing more than its name the force awakens made over a billion dollars you know 200 million of that was in pre-ticket sales yeah just because people are desperate for star mm. wars stories look i think this new one's going to be as as probably probably going to outpace even the previous ones Sure, I don't know. Hey, I this think is the final one. It's it's oh, touted as the final one. Yeah, sure. I, I th- you know, I, I'm I'm concerned. I'm worried because we've seen that Solo had a, mm. a lot of a lot of difficulties, not just in in ticket sales, but in production. Yeah. Um. You know, there wasn't a unique vision, uh, an overriding unique vision there. After the, they they fired uh, Lord and Miller, mm. and and went with uh, who was it? It was the the sports guy, Opie. Um, yeah. Any, you know the the narrator from Arrested Development. He, mm. it's, it's him. Although I, I I rate that movie. Well, we'll see now as we talk about where we put Solo. But I really enjoyed yeah. that movie a lot. Well, I, I enjoyed it as well. But that doesn't negate the fact that there were that there's issues with mm. it. And it wasn't the product that it could have been. So, what did you think of the? I enjoyed of the trailer. I enjoyed what I saw. I mean, there's obviously a lot of diversity. I love the fact that they've got uh, Billy D uh, coming back as um, yep. Lando. There's I, that fan service you're talking about. But I do like that. I mean, he's a cool character, and he's you know, you you almost wonder what happened to him, and mm. you know, his story is fascinating. Well, Strong then, character. That also might be why you liked Solo so much because you get to start this. You get to see the start yeah. of the story. I've always liked the smuggler bounty under Angle in Star Wars. I'm, mm. I'm 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 much more of a a fan of that then I mean I do enjoy the Jedi mythology and all that stuff and the force and it's that's sort of what you're mm. there for but I like the bounty hunters mm. I like the fact that they're pragmatic in this world of mysticism the swashbucklers yeah you know they just like want a good deal and, and have some fun you know while they do it so it's, it's a cool story yeah. um, I think Rey is a very compelling character I like the fact that she's as strong as she is and, mm. and it seems like she's sort of resolved herself to be the, the Jedi now mm. um and I, I kind of like that Kylo Ren character as well. I think uh, the actor is, he's a weird guy. Adam Driver. Yeah. Adam Driver's a weird guy. Yeah, he's, he's a very, he has unique facial features. He does, he's very, and he's got an odd way about him. Mm. Um, mm. You know, he, he just plays that really awkward, odd guy so well. Yeah, he was, uh, he was also in uh, Logan Lucky, which was Soderbergh's mm. last film. I haven't seen that. Um, he plays uh, 
um, ba- basically like a like a barman and kind of a bit of a hick town, and they try mm. and pull off a, a robbery at a racetrack. And and yet he he he's got this perfect mix of kind of adult awkwardness. Yes, well, exactly. Know? And it's 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 a re- it's quite endearing. And not actually. everyone can pull off awkwardness. Yeah, which works really well for mm. for his character in Star Wars because you know you you can see that he's been alienated from his parents. Yes. Um, and he, you know, he's been looking for a teacher. So mm. he's this perpetual adolescent looking for a yeah. cause. And he's he's essentially the son of the coolest guy in the galaxy, Han yes. Solo. Yeah. You know, how, do you how do you live up to that? So he's this nerd, <laughs> and his dad is this cool guy. I mean, it's wonderful, <laughs> wonderful dynamics. That is very, very cool. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm, cool. I'm unashamedly looking forward to it. I think it's going to be probably be pretty good. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. Mm. I think, and uh, you know, we, we're allowed to have a nostalgia cloud our. Yeah, objective vision of these things, and I, I mean, as villains go, I'd rather have the Emperor back than Snoke or whatever the fuck. Snoke. Well, I can't even uh, remember the guy's name. He's yeah, no, he was memorable. Random. He was random. But the problem with having the Emperor back for the very last thing is that not, unless we've missed like these massive mm. seeding of the of the storyline. Well, apparently, falling down long shafts in Star Wars is not a common yeah, cause. Apparently, of death. being thrown down a planet-sized space mm. station into an electric field that's yeah. about to be exploded. Well. Again, you know, it's apparently Darth Maul to survive mm. that shit. Spoiler. Uh, by the way, we should probably now sound a spoiler or a warn uh, alert. Uh, yeah, if you haven't watched any of the Star Wars. Yeah, so we're going to discuss every single Star Wars movie currently out, <laughs> live action, not animated included. Yeah. Although animated movies may be referenced. So there will be spoilers. Yeah. So you should probably see them. Yeah. Or not. I don't or, know. Do, or don't see them and just listen to us yes, explain it's, it's almost better than seeing them. Oh yeah, just listen to us yeah, talk about them because it's so cool. Yeah, and yeah, Star Wars need... doesn't have beer in it; <laughs> just has blue milk. Speaking, blue milk, man. Speaking of things that don't have beer in them, Marcel, mm, our glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> You're welcome. So our first beer for today is going to come from a brewery we know and love. It was the very first brewery we ever interviewed on our that's show. Right, that's right. Um, Nick Bush from Drifter. I can I could see from the can that that was Drifter. From yeah. the back of the can. And this is a limited edition. It's called Isolation Station Ale. And it's to commemorate the Marion 76th Expedition. And they have a little uh, blurb on it. That is such an interesting thing Mm. to be commemorating. Yeah. For for a craft brewery. Do they they have some connection to this? Well, they they run also a charter company. And they they, they have a yacht. And they do a lot of diving off the coast of Cape Town. So that's the other business. Research expeditions and things like that? So apparently they brewed this specifically for the research team, which is heading out to Marion Island. But Um, that's... That's fucking awesome. Yeah, so South Africa maintains a research team out there in Marion Islands. Yeah. one of the most remote places on Earth. Yeah, correct. It's very close to Antarctica. No, it's, um, like, it's like over a thousand kilometers away from anything. Yeah, and they stay there for 13 months in virtual isolation. Um, well, except for the mountains of pornography they've taken with. Yeah, and apparently the beer now. <laughs> and apparently the yeah. beer. Um, and it's, it's actually brewed with seawater from the Southern Ocean. Um, which is interesting, yeah. Because you don't normally put salt in beer, but it is yeah. becoming a bit of a thing to put a bit of salt in your beer. At, uh, mm. Who knows what's going to happen now? Mm. Um, it's also fresh, locally grown whole cone Cascade hops. So that's interesting. Locally grown Cascade. Yeah. So didn't, didn't know that was the thing either. Very seldom do our breweries, craft breweries especially, use their own hops. So this is a first for me. And um, this is interesting, man. I mean, it's it's really interesting. So. I really, really want you to stop talking about it. <laughs> and I really, really want you to pour it into the glass. Yeah. And uh, so this is an amber. That's the, that didn't make me think that mm. it was going to be an amber. Yeah, the, the can almost makes you think it might be a stout or something. 
But Moses um, was black? No. I, when I saw it, I was like, isolation station, that's going to be like a cold-pressed lager. It's going to be, oh, a, right. it's going to be like a, a seawater iceberg. Mm. But then if you're, if you're in Marion Island for 30 months, you, you may not want, want a cold lager. lager. <laughs> <laughs> Something you could probably have, you know, which you bring with you. But this is fascinating, man. And I love the cans. I mean, it's a nice new, more and more breweries are, are moving to canned beers. And I really support the move. It's easier to recycle and it's much a, a better receptacle for your beer because it's not, there's no sealant problems like you do sometimes no, get with beer. To light, so. No exposure to light. For me, it's almost like a bit of a, a safer guarantee for the beer drinker to think, oh, well, you know, at least if, if the beer inside the can's okay, the mm. beer is going to be okay. Mm. But with bottled beer, sometimes you don't have that guarantee. I like bottles over cans. You do? I, I far prefer them, but not for any real quality Glass issues. Snob, just, no, very much so. So on the nose, it's, it's very crisp, it's very clear. It's got, a, it's, got, it's got an interesting haziness to it, but I think that's probably the whole cone hops they use in dry hopping. Um, and the cone hops also has, it, it comes in more particulates. So unless you filter it out, you're going to have more haze in your beer. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not a bad haze necessarily. It's, it's, quite, it's, hmm. there's a, it's a very uniform color. It's almost like a frosting, you know. It's quite nice. It is a frosting. Taste nothing, nothing wrong with this beer. It is a saltiness to it, which is weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's not up front. It's a it salted. Sits, it sits at the back. Salted there. caramel, right? I mean, it makes sense. It's caramel malts, a little bit of salt. You know, it's um, the 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 taste I'm getting here is pretzel. Mm. That's the that's it's that burnt pressed pretzel yeah. that, that kind of caramelized pretzel. Mm, very much so. Um, I mean, the cascade hops are not very predominant, but when you use whole cone hops, often it isn't that strong because it's not compressed into pellets, and you don't use as much. Yeah, because there's not a lot of bitterness here, but good balance. It's not sweet. Yeah. No, it's certainly not sweet. No. Do they use only seawater or seawater mixed no, with I regular think, water? No, you can't just use seawater. No. This would be much saltier. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to drink it. No. There's a nice head as well. Really beautiful lacing. Yeah, unless they desalinated it, probably also done that. It seems like an enormous expense to go to just to use seawater. Yeah. Well, I mean, ocean water is seen as the final ingredient here. So I think what, what's happened is they probably add a few drops of ocean water. Who knows how much, you know. Yeah. You don't have to put much in to put it on the label. But no. I do pick up a bit of saltiness, which is interesting. And, and like I said, this is not the first beer I've seen with a bit of salt added. It's 4% ABV, 20 IBUs. And again, it's got it's a lovely little amber type ale. Mm. Uh, similar also to a, a British uh, uh, bitter, but very, very nice. Yeah, it is nice. I, I, I almost just wanted to be a little bit denser, you know, just a little bit more... More chewy. More chewy, a little bit more mm. bitterness, which isn't to say it isn't delicious. It really, really is. And it's a, quite a unique flavor. And yeah. the, the, those, those kind of top notes, I, think, mm. I haven't really ever experienced no. that. And I do find that the, using the fresh hops has, again, it has a fresher taste. It's got a green hop taste. More than the typical sort of dank, bitter yeah. uh, backbone. Yeah. And, and where your cascade is often associated with grapefruit flavors, you don't get a lot of grapefruit in No, no. It's not that citrusy type stuff. No. But it's got a lovely floral characteristic, which I think comes out in the, in the whole hop um, cones, which you don't often see in the, the processed um, hops. It's certainly not heavy on the tongue. But good carbonation, good lacing. Yeah. Overall, again, I mean, I, I can't fall drifter. I've never had a bad beer from that company. No. So I love their, no. their brewing ethic and everything they do. Yeah. So, And I do I do very, very much like the, the fact that they are, you know, almost experimental. Mm. You know, they, they, they're doing interesting things. 
You know, they're not just putting out another yeah. seasonal IPA. Exactly, and I mean, it's it's cool that they have got a little project now, obviously, which they brewed this for the the research team, and, and you know, it, it makes it so much more part of the community. You know. Yeah. So the the question here would not be would you take this beer to Mars? Mm. It would be would you go to Marion Island? <laughs> that is a very good question. <laughs> would you? Which might even be more isolated than Mars, than in, Mars. Some, in some ways. Yeah. Or a pretty good training ground for people who are actually going to Mars. Yeah. I hope, that, I hope they're going to enjoy it. Maybe if you are one of those researchers listening to this podcast and currently in Marion Island, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you made your own decisions, don't, man. Don't, don't run out of dry goods and beer. Keep warm, you know. Watch out for killer whales. Incredible. It's isolation station. Oh, mm, it's very, very clever. Very, very clever. Very, very clever. Yeah, so, so nice one, Drifter. Yeah. Um, definitely a great little beer. I would, I would have more of this. So, Matt, the, the stated reason, well, one of the stated reasons for the show today is to kind of rank order our f- least favorite and favorite Star Wars movies of all time. Yes. Or at least until now. Uh, yeah, until December. Yeah, uh, when, when episode nine is coming out. Yeah. So, I thought we could do it in sort of, obviously, we're going to start from the bottom in up. In the form of interpretive Because I've done dance. this before. Yes. In the form of inter- <laughs> Matt will now perform an interpretive <laughs> dance, which you cannot see because this is a podcast. No, but believe me, that's a good thing. Yeah, you'll hear my breathless exertions. Yes, and you'll hear my screams of terror. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go to the bottom. Yeah. Let's get to the bottom of this, man. Yeah. I said it. Yeah. I did that. I mm. went there. Mm. What is... Now, we're not, just for the sake of listeners, the rules are we're not including animated mm-hmm. movies at all, mm-hmm. and we're not including the Christmas special, because that's always a wild card everyone likes to throw in. Yes, because that makes the bottom of the list very, very easy. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> the, the long lost film that no one... It wasn't a film, it was a TV special, it was a TV so special. it doesn't actually qualify. Have you, have you ever seen it? I have. It's <laughs> you, terrible. You've seen the, the, it's so, it's so the, the Chewbacca family, mm. the weird social dynamics. And the, the granddad who's into porn. And it's, a, it's such a fucking strange... Well, it could only have been made in the 60s, when everyone was really high. It wasn't made in the 60s, it was made in the late 70s. 70s. Oh, okay. Well, even better then. They were really high, really. They, really were, high. they were high, because yeah. they were trying to forget the 60s. Yeah, and they were high on cocaine, rather than rather weed. Than, yeah, yeah, weed and free love. Um, okay, yeah, so we're not, bottom we're, of the we're not including that. So that's the thing. It has to be a live-action movie, excluding episode 9 because it's not out yet. Um, mine is pretty easy. Mine is, mine is very easy. I mean, I, yeah, there's definitely for me an absolute worst yes. Star Wars movie, yes. hands down. Yes. And do you wanna, should, we, should we see if it's the same? We'll say it at the same time. That, that could be risky. It could be risky because we're going to look like idiots. Yeah, chronologically, like, number two. Uh, what? Number two is the worst ever. Chronologically. Not chronologically. So you're saying Title-wise. your worst movie is episode two? Yes. My worst movie is episode two. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. Right. Well, mine is not that one. Mine yeah. is episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I give three a slight pass in that... You get to see the kind of birth of Vader. Yeah. I, I like that. I also like that Padme dies. That makes mm. me very happy. So <laughs> It's a strange so, man. <laughs> so, so it immediately gets a lot of points in my book. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the, the narrative in 3 is it's unbelievable that they could have gotten worse from Attack of the Clones, um, but mm. they did. 
Um, but Attack of the Clones to me is it's such a nothing film. It is well, such so Attack of the Clones does have film. that really cringy love stuff going on between Padme and, and the, Anakin, bizarre, right? Where they, where they they fucking ride these animals and Attack of the Clones. This is where the quote from the sand thing comes in. Yes, the well, no, that's that's in the first. <sighs> one. In the first that's one. in the first oh, one boy. when Jake Lloyd is like, "I hate sand." It's there. No, but it's also like, in the second actually. Oh, is it? It's in that love pastoral well, scene. Let, let me tell you right now that that. That second episode, watching George Lucas write and direct Mm. what he thinks falling in love is. (laughs) It's very scary. Is all you need to know about the Mm. kind of android that George Lucas is. Yeah, he is a very strange man child, isn't he? He, He's a very strange child. I don't think he was ever exposed to love. Maybe, shame. We should feel a a moment of of sadness for him and then just criticize Uh, uh, the shit out of it. Yes, because I'm sure he feels really bad about his sadness while he wallows in $40 billion worth of LucasArts stuff. The way I would defend my choice is that Revenge of the Sith could have been a movie where he could have redeemed himself because by then he had gotten all the feedback already from everyone that everything else is shit. I don't think he got that feedback. No, he didn't. I think everyone was just yes-manning him. yeah. To the nth degree. And, and I think it should have, like, and I think my, Jar Jar Binks, that's a fucking phenomenal yeah. idea. That's going to sell a lot of toys. <laughs> I love Jar Jar. Jar Jar, he's my yeah. boy. And I, I guess for the same reason you would have put it slightly ahead of uh, clones, I've put it behind because of the fact that it is the birth of Vader. Mm. And show, you know, so it's more disappointing for me that it wasn't mm, done properly. Sure. The, sure. the endless, virtually endless lightsaber duel between yeah. Obi-Wan yeah. and Anakin it never ends it's completely uninteresting it's, I, think it's, I think it's a literal 12 minutes long on film it never stops and it's, it's literally just CGI after CGI yeah. after CGI it's, it's longer than the opening to Saving Private Ryan it, like it's, it's and an far far less compelling and far less compelling I mean, this is the, the... So basically what he's done is he, he didn't know how to make it a critical scene in the entire franchise so he just made it longer yeah yeah, he, he established gravitas through length. <laughs> you know, I have the higher ground. I mean, like ridiculous yeah. shit happening. Yeah. It's just the worst fight scene I've ever seen in yeah. in almost any movie. But but once again, and this is a this is a theme. Let's face it, through the original trilogy as well, is that George Lucas doesn't understand how interpersonal relationships work. No, he doesn't understand how people talk to each mm. other. And in a way, that worked well for him in the original trilogy because he had strangers talking to each mm. other. And when he didn't have strangers talking to yeah. each other, it got weird. Like also with he, Leia and Luke, and yeah, it, it got weird. It got weird. And you had pretty decent actors who could take thing, take the reins, sort of. You sure, know? sure. I mean, Where he, well, I mean, Ian McGregor's no fool, but everyone's not dialing that thing in. Yeah? Yeah. Everyone's dialing in their performance yeah. at that stage. I yeah, think. sure, sure. I'm sure. Um, so, so Christopher Lee, mm. who who basically a classy actor, absolutely classy actor. Yeah. Who basically f- he could have phoned that in from Tatooine. <laughs> that that role required literal yeah. like zero stretching of mm. any kind of capabilities that he's been using for like seven thousand yeah. years that he's been acting for. And I, but I must say the dual the, the the fight scene in Attack of the Clones with Christopher Lee and and Anakin and, and Ewan McGregor, and Ewan McGregor and yeah. eventually Yoda is a far better fight scene in yeah. many ways than the final one in Revenge of the Sith. Sure, uh, because I think Christopher Lee is a very classy actor, and uh, by his own admission, he's he's quite self promoting. Um, or was he in an interview for that movie? He said that he had calculated that he had done more sword fights than any other actor alive. Oh, really? Because he had he was part of that whole swashbuckling tradition yeah, yeah. back in the fifties and sixties in England. Uh, so, with so Errol did he Flynn. do? Did he was he involved? He in did the his own. Yeah, scene? he did all his own choreographing and everything. Apparently. That's not bad for a, a guy who's 
Well, he's you know, he knows swashbuckling, man. He's been swashbuckling in movies forever. Yeah. And he, he, he brings that sort of very nice, you know, stately Britishness to the whole thing because no one can quite believe that he's a bad guy because he used to be, a, you know. If anyone actually looked at Christopher Lee and didn't think he was a bad <laughs> guy, then you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> no, he does you, look pretty you bad. Could look at, you could look at, like, his name on an envelope and you go, this motherfucker is evil. <laughs> he's a bad this guy. This guy is going to kill some people. Yeah. So I think that's why I, I put clones ahead of Sith but only by the slightest of margin really I guess because okay but we have established that that is our one two or should we say it seven is. eight because my second worst one is is definitely clones. attack of the clones yeah. Yeah. yeah right well well mine mine would be Sith, Sith. so right. so we've we've established our bottom pairing there quite yeah. comprehensively yeah, I don't think we need to go into it more more because it'll just depress me to think of those movies again well it, it depresses me to think of the missed opportunity mm. You know, because the because the concept is great. Yeah. Go back and show how this story a wonderful began. Idea. Mm. Brilliant. Show me where because because Darth Vader had a a, a gravitas mm. to him, and he's one of the best he, villains ever. He, you know, he came out of nowhere, and he's and he's imposing and intimidating, mm. and then he's revealed to have this uh, this undercurrent of love and, yeah. and beauty. And right now, show me where that where that came from. Exactly. Oh no, wait. Let's fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> Comprehensive. I mean, it, it is really a Richard III story, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a telling of the fall from grace. Correct. It's, it's the, the villain, the becoming of a villain, which is a very compelling story. Yeah. It should be a slam dunk for any basic storyteller. Yeah. And somehow Lucas fucks it especially, up. Especially badly. a storyteller that has all the pieces set up for him. Yeah. You know how hard it was to, for him to really mm. stuff that up that badly. And what's interesting to me is a lot of people do speak about Lucas as someone who just can't tell a story. And, and, but I don't think that's true because if you watch things like Indiana Jones, those are good stories. You know, they're yeah. basic stories, but they basically have a good three-act structure. Good things happen and you're satisfied at the end. But he <sighs> somehow missed all of them. I, I, see, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that as well. Is because I think Indiana Jones in many ways is not, is not in the writing. It's not in. It's it's mm. on the screen. It's really it's Harrison no, Ford. Sure. It's it's an adventure uh, movie. Look at look at look at um, look at Raiders. Um, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, mm. his his actual. There's no reason for him to be in that film. No, no. It's everything often happens. Been said, yeah. Everything happens. It just happens despite to him. him. <laughs> you know, the only thing I think yeah. he does is he he makes the staff slightly longer because they they get the measurements True. wrong for how much a cubit was. No, I guess you're right. I, I guess Lucas is not the best. Narr- narrator no. out there, he just no. doesn't understand. No, the basic he's, structure. he's an ideas man, and visually, mm. he's. I mean, you know, he had the vision to set up uh, ILM, and he had the. Vi- and I mean, in, there's varying reports about how much he really appreciated them, but um, you know, he had the vision mm. to translate what was in his head into screen. Um, but I think that he was very fortunate in that late seventies Ortier period um, to be surrounded by a group of people that were all willing to give their input about what was going on. For the longest time, he was worried that what he'd created was a pulpy Saturday morning breakfast (laughs) cereal kind of, you know, which in some ways he did set out to create, but Mm. but of a greater nature than that. And he thought that he'd failed. And, you know, he he was married to Marsha Lucas, who went on to be one of the, or at that time, was one of the best editors in Hollywood. Mm. Um, and you know, in the interim between the the prequel trilogy and the original, she 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 left him, yeah. or he left her, or whatever it was, and it shows because because mm-hmm. the ideas are there, but the story's not. You know, putting together and cutting out the horrific shit like him going and massacring an entire school full of children, oh. 
Like, what the fuck? Who, why mm. do you think that this is a thing that's going to establish him <laughs> yeah. as, a, as, a, as an individual? Mm. So, so that's, that's my, my seven, eight. But I'm so depressed I need another beer. Yeah, I also need another beer before let's, we... Let's dig into the magic beer box, man. Yeah. I love the colors on I've that. got another Drifter beer. I actually didn't know this was the Drifter beer, and I realize it is. Maybe we only have Drifter beer. Maybe this is the Drifter episode. <laughs> Maybe that's our theme. Well, Drifter, sailboat, you know, space opera, oh, sailing through oh, the God, oceans such of a space. Such a stretch. <laughs> it's a big stretch. Such a stretch. Lovely can, yeah. Um, another canned beer. Is that an Easter beer? It is an Easter beer. And no. It's called The Hunt Is On. That is brilliant. Yeah, it's got an Easter, uh, stylized Easter egg graphic on the yeah. uh, label. And these awesome rad late 80s, early Very. 90s colors and patterns. Yeah, I mean, this would not be, this is a Cindy Lauper yeah. color palette if yeah. there was one. Yeah, this is a, this is a Christopher, uh, what, crisscross album cover. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this is a, a hybrid lager. So this could be a steam beer, because that's one of the things people sometimes call a hybrid lager. That is a very dark beer. Mm. Yeah, so it could that, be a take like on a, California Common. It looks like a, a glass of Coke. And they say it's got chocolate, coconut, and marshmallow flavors. They like the coconut down in Drifters, don't they? Yeah. And they're actually sort of running some kind of competition. I don't know. That. But if you're a lucky bunny at the bottom of the can, I can win something, man. Do you uh, think I'm going to win something? I, I was wondering whether the Hunters on didn't have some relevance to no apparently not finding uh, are you not a winner no i have to keep hunting oh. well yeah. so you'll have to keep on drinking this i'm a bit of a sucker for these really cheap skate marketing employees <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you keep all your tabs of the can of coke <laughs> i used to <laughs> yeah so yeah very opaque uh beer very dark dark color i mean there's some reddish tinges but very dark no this is a can of coke yeah it's like cola it's literally not a lot of mm-hmm. um stuff coming out of this but uh, definitely roasted. Yeah, yeah roasted kind of. There's a some dried fruit as well. Yeah, well, there's almost there's a bit of like a maybe portery or stout mm. kind of taste. Though something completely different. What the yeah. fuck is this? That does not taste like <laughs> what you think <laughs> it should. What the fuck is this? But very interesting. I shouldn't have looked at this beer. Mm. If I tasted that out of the can, yeah, I would not believe that this is how it looks like. It's quite delicious. Mm. It's difficult to put my finger on what I'm tasting. I have no idea what I'm tasting. Mm. It's like a, there's a creamy... I guess that's what they would say is the marshmallow flavors. And I mean, there's definitely vanilla. There is that sort of tobacco vanilla-ish mm. flavors for me which come out. Um, and they have actually got um, vanilla in it. They've got coconut in it and they've got cocoa in it. So the cocoa probably also is a bit of that bitter chocolate flavor. Fuck you, drifters. I don't mm. know what you're doing down there, but you guys are on drugs. It's very nice, though. It's a nice it's drug. Really, it's really delicious. And what's interesting for the listeners now, who don't have you know, the benefit of, of seeing us do this, is it's, it's, not a, it's not a dark, dark beer. It's like Matt said, a red cola color, very light mouthfeel. So normally when you talk about cocoa, vanilla, mm. coconut flavors in beer, you're, you're often talking about a sort of dark, you know, porter-like beer. Mm. This doesn't have any of that. It's a very oh. crisp, as they say, a lagerish sort of flavor, and it's it's steam beerish for me, having sort of quite an affinity for that style. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a steam beer style because it has a slight fruitiness at the end there, which lager yeast generally don't produce unless you ferment it at a higher temperature, which is what steam beers are. 
But also, you know, Drifter is known for using things like coconut in different ways than other breweries. Yeah. They make another ale, which is a light the, the, ale with coconut, coconut in it. Coconut, yeah. Most breweries in the world would use a, a porter style for coconut. <laughs> Incredibly interesting beer. I mean, it's it's got it's got hints of kind of Guinness export, with on top of that, they're kind of there's a creamy vanilla. There's definitely vanilla, yeah. It's vanilla is for me the predominant flavor with a little bit of coconut. It, it's coming out more. The vanilla is mm. coming out more and more as I drink it. Mm. And the aftertaste for me is more the roasted malts, slight chocolate malts. You know, the not not overly bitter or astringent in any way. Very well balanced. Balance is the overriding mm. kind of thing. When you're drinking a Drifter's beer, no matter all the crazy shit they put into it, mm, it's very well balanced. It's always really, really well balanced. Yeah. And I think that's just a testament to the skill of the brewer. I would never have expected this beer to be a thing. But I could have I could have more of these. I think this is a very accomplished little beer. I wonder if they say it would taste nice with, uh, with something sweet, mm. you know, with candy and chocolate and stuff like that. Yeah. That's kind of their tasting notes there. Well, it is sort of, and I, I think the, you know, it's it's they say it's for a sweet tooth. It's not a sweet beer, though. No, it's not a sweet beer, but maybe that's the thing, is it would kind of counteract, you know, mm. that, I mean, that's the thing, like, for example, with cocoa, that bitterness that mm. gets balanced out by sweet and fat. What I wouldn't mind trying with this beer is actually some vanilla ice cream, you know, like a, a yeah. beer float. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> that actually sounds fantastic. That would be really cool, like a beer cocktail with some, some uh, ice cream. With some or vanilla ice cream in it. Well done, Drifter. Again, you surpass yourself. Yeah, you weird drug-taking hippie motherfucker. We should probably just go and have a show at Drifter Brewery down the Cape, man. I'm, I'm tired of your unashamed endorsement, <laughs> unpaid endorsement of this brewery. I've got to tell you, and as, it was as, quite your, accidental, as your attorney, I advise you to start asking for some fucking money. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you're not advising me as my attorney to take more ether. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's still early on a Sunday. Yeah, and and uh, full disclaimer, I really I just Shit. grabbed some interesting you didn't even looking this was beer. Yeah, it's very subtle. I mean, okay, the Drifter labels are on the front there. But yeah, but it's much smaller than it is in all the other cans. I didn't really expect them to bring out something like this. Hey, man, well Look, done. Yeah, well done. So well it's done interesting on beer. Your Easter seasonal. And on the topic of interesting things, man. Yes. This is the show, by the way, of all my unsuccessful segues <laughs> <laughs> into into things. Did you make a list of them? Have exactly. You, have you written them down at some point in time? I should have. So now we're, we, we've done a bottom two, yeah. and we've, we've discussed why they suck so badly. Yeah. So now we're getting into a territory where it's still not great, but you can handle it. I think it's also pretty obvious what that must be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just the way that, the way that it's going to be. You know that the, 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 the prequel trilogy is just... They're all at the bottom, aren't they? They're all at the bottom. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm disappointed to say that because I wanted to be creative mm. in some way. You just can't. But you can't. You can't bring yourself to put any of the prequels but, in any other than last place. That's right. And and let's also face the fact that The Phantom Menace has the undeniably most mm. stupid name out of, out of all of them. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. None. It makes no sense. That was, again, that's George Lucas trying to be really, really clever and yeah. thinking that he's being subtle. But I'm, and I have watched, I, I re-watched the prequel recently in preparation for this podcast, yeah. and it was painful. Um, <laughs> none of them improved whatsoever. No. In fact, many of them became even worse. Although I must say, and that's why The Phantom Menace is sort of both of our third last one, it, it's got some redeeming features. Mm. It's got a very cool villain. Which mm, some stores, mm, movies, sure. which we'll discuss later, maybe have a mm, bit of a problem. Yeah. 
but Darth Maul's a cool villain, man. Yeah. I mean, he's he's super. He looks badass. He's got mm. the face tattoos. He's got the double-edged lightsaber. Yeah. Well, that, see, that was also a big thing when that double-edged lightsaber yeah. came out. That was the first time that Star Wars fans like, were what? exposed to the fact that what lightsabers look else? different. And I think what was really cool for me is that for the first time you see Jedi and Sith fight it out very acrobatically mm. like you would expect them because they have these force powers, right? So they mm. shouldn't really be like medieval knights mm. jousting these like heavy the, swords. Like the, the Obi-Wan Darth Vader battle mm. in the first wow, episode, you know, bad. which was just kind of like them hitting at each other mm. and not moving, mm. you know, which you'd think, Obi-Wan, move your fucking ass. Dude. <laughs> you, 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 you like the greatest... You know, you're on the Jedi mm. Council. Do some shit. No. So so they, they show that athleticism. Mm. I think it's cool. And Liam Neeson works as a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. He's a great Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think Liam Neeson and, and Ewan McGregor were not the issue there, Mm-mm. you know. And and shame. I, I know a lot of shit has been spoken about Jake Lloyd as, as young Anakin. He's so young. Who cares, he, he man? Was a, he was a kid. He's a kid. He's, He's a kid. Actor. What did you expect from him? He's Macaulay Culkin. I mean, he was no good either. If you put his words in Sir Lawrence Olivier's mouth, it would have sounded just as yeah. fucking dumb. So Look, I, It is a curious choice for me, though, to start him off so young. That, that I don't get it. Like, why have him? There's yeah. no re- need for him to have been that young. Because also then it becomes really weird with him and... Padme's age difference, which suddenly seems to disappear in the second movie. Yeah, I'd get, yeah. The, the, well, I think the, they tried to disappear like, the weirdness. No. Um, I, look, I think that the, he was trying to draw directly on a lot of archetypal tropes, mm. and I think that that um, the, no, the virgin birth, virgin birth, yeah. you know, and that was it's important for them to establish mm. that at a, as a as a child because then you you have some sort of yeah. connection with it, you know. But I think it would have been more whereas it was like a forty eight year old old man <laughs> kind of. And by, yeah. Sorry, me referring to forty eight as old, but. Yeah. I'm closer than you think. Um, you know, I'm you're not going to have closer that. than you think. <laughs> you're not going to have that connection. Yeah. You know? So, but I think it would have been as effective if they just had, had started with a teenage. Uh, in fact, teenagers are sometimes easier to relate to in these sort of movies than yeah. than kids. So, and it would have been so much more compelling that he's still so much more powerful, mm. even though he hasn't been shown mm. the ways of the force and everything. But at least there's some redeeming qualities in this movie. You know, it's got some interesting historical. Significance. It's got some nice you know, visuals. It's got some world building. You know, some good world building. And I mean, the, the, let's let's face it. The the pod racing scene visually is, is pod racing cool, man. Still one of the best it's, computer games out there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, pod racing's cool. It, it's got some of the, it ticks some of the Star Wars boxes, which I think is why people did expect the second and third movies to be better because yeah. some of the adventure sequences you you find in the initial movies were there. Yeah, um, I also think that yeah. they they thought, okay, we've gotten that out the way. Mm. You know, we, episode one is about se- setting everything up. Yeah, we've done that now, so two and three can really mm. launch, and then they didn't. They didn't, and they I still I do think Darth Maul is one of the cooler villains out there in the Star Wars universe. It's, yeah. He's a cool villain. I mean, he just is such a dangerous character. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's some redeeming, but still. You you see the actors struggle with the CGI, yeah. uh, you know, sort of yeah, it bulk. Was, it was still in its infancy. You know, yeah. they they basically acting against green screens and towards green screens. Yeah, and there's nothing you can say which will ever make me believe that Lucas shouldn't at least stand trial at some kind of international court for Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> at least, just I mean, I'm not saying jail the guy, but he should go yeah. to court. Yeah. And someone no, should just there, there put should the fear some, of God into him so that he never does that again. Yeah. You know, like, the, just don't do that again. The, the underwater frog people weren't great mm. either. Just, just also very stereotypical. I mean, like, the, Lucas really went full, tribalism. full ethnic stereotype in yeah. all the characters. Yeah. You know, yeah. from the 
the, the Jewish <laughs> slaver, yes. you know, Shylock character yeah. to the Jamaican oh, frogs, you know. Yeah, uh, I yeah. mean, someone had to. Again, it's it's, but he's reached that level of fame where no, he's like Stephen King. No one's yeah. going to edit that guy. Yeah, well, the, and that's exactly the issue. Yeah. Okay, so so we have our bottom three now. Okay, prequel out of the way. Let's prequel get to the real movies. The yes, let's let's talk about Star Wars now. <laughs> okay, so now the next one is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think this, this one here, you and I dictate. might uh, differ a lot. Okay, um, because now we're in the territory of this is Star Wars. We're enjoying it, but still not still not the best one out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, I've got mine. Do you have yours? Show me, show me yours, and I'll show you mine. Mine is the Last Jedi, Episode Eight, the the one now, the, the most the, recent, the one. most recent, the the, the latest prequel. That is Jedi. Yeah. Okay. But I have to okay. qualify it that that it, the gap between the prequel and everything else is really huge. It's far more than a few parsecs. I can tell you that. It it's much much further away in a much further galaxy. I. I, I disagree with you, um, sure. but I understand why you would do that. It was difficult for me to decide, and I, I think the main reason was that this the last Jedi movie for me is a bit of a hot mess. It's almost like watching it. It's like, it came across, and maybe it is as a result of of JJ Abrams's influence, yeah, um, and and just the, the the zeitgeist we are in right now, where mm. TV actually has to some extent eclipsed film. I think we're in, the, in an age now where TV series are almost better and more watched than films. And, and, and you know, there's more hype and there's better acting. Some of the better actors, big, bigger budgets. And for me, The Last Jedi feels like a TV series. It feels like I'm watching, I'm binge watching a, a Star Wars TV series rather than a movie. I, I, I kind of understand why you'd say that. And I also understand that it was quite a different film mm. to what we... Uh, were led to expect from Force Awakens and thematically it was quite different to the all the films that have gone before mm. that I think it was a much more subtle theme I think it it asked a lot more questions than it answered yeah um, and not just in terms of world building like you just wonder where this guy comes from mm. I mean in terms of it, it it makes you question who's actually right when when, when Luke yeah. says something when Yoda says something mm. Why do we take it at face value? Because yeah. they're these, you know, star-destroying mystical creatures. Um, and, and I think yeah. that it, it doesn't give you the answers to that. And I think those uncomfortable kind of questions did leave a lot of people cold. Hmm. I think that they weren't expecting that. But also a lot of, a lot of I think, unnecessary obscurity. Um, you know, the scene where, where Ray goes into that funny cave and just, I mean, like, it's such a throwaway waste of, of the scene. You could have done many uh, different things there. I, d- I disagree. Now I mean, she just sees like multiple reflections of herself and she doesn't see anything. I mean, really, is that now the no, conclusion? Well, it, it is kind of the conclusion. And I think, again, you have to look a little bit deeper to what that movie is about before you really not understand, but gain any real insight into what they're trying to say about about Star Wars, mm. right? Because I think it, in many ways it's a very meta analysis of what Star Wars is itself. But in itself, in, in, inside the story, I think The, the Last Jedi is very much a discussion around what it means to be a hero. And, yeah. And, no, definitely. And Ray thinks perhaps that being a hero is about where you come from, mm. who your parents were. Yeah. And, and then that's reinforced by Kylo Ren, who basically says you're a nobody. Yeah. You came from no one. 
And Kylo Ren then goes on to say, kill your heroes. Mm. Find out who they were and kill them, which is, you know, the old Buddhist mantra. I do find that kind of an interesting turn in the story, which I did enjoy, is that his main thing is that let's, let's leave the past behind. But that's his motivation. He's motivated to do that. new things. And of course, you, we said earlier on, he comes from his father mm. is, you know, the coolest guy in the entire galaxy. And his mom uh, comes from a reawakened line of space witches, mm. you know. So, of course, he wants to kill his heroes. Of course, he wants to do away with the past. What, what, what you, you have to make, what you have to understand as that movie goes on and towards the end, and what Luke finally understands at the end mm. is that grandiose gesture yeah. of being a hero is sometimes more mm. important than, than everything else. Yeah. So, so um, a lot of people took away the theme that what Ryan Johnson was saying was, fuck the mm. themes of Star Wars. And right. we, don't, we don't need the Jedi anymore. Mm. And we don't need this. We don't need that. And actually, what it what it, it's actually saying in that in that mm. movie at the end there, is that even Luke accepts yeah. that you because he tries the whole mm. film to throw away the lightsaber and I'm not <laughs> going to teach you and I'm not going to do this mm. and I'm not going to do that because the Jedi are bullshit and heroes are bullshit mm. and you don't need this. And then he ends up being the guy. And who he saves ends the up day. he saves the day. He becomes the hero because yeah. he realizes he accepts it. Mm. And because of that, because of that grandiose stand, yeah. uh, the, the Jedi will live again. Look, I mean, and, I have to say, though, that I did enjoy that movie like I would have enjoyed a really good TV series. Um, mm. So for me, putting it where I did is at the slimmest of margins. It's just... No, <clears> no, you've said it's a very close call. I know, but I it, it, some of the stuff's just very hot, messy to me in terms of the storyline. Things jump the, around a lot. There is some messy story. I've got to say, I really, really, really didn't enjoy the... The casino, the casino planet thing. Was, was messy, very, very messy. Um, yeah. It was it was an excuse to kind of show more Star Warsy things, but in in, in doing so, it wasn't very Star Warsy because yeah. the casino vibe doesn't yeah. speak Star Wars to me. Well, that that entire storyline <coughs> where they go look for the code breaker, find another dude, probably the most misapplied use of Benicio, uh, Benicio Toro Toro I've ever seen on screen in the history of the world. I mean, yeah. this is a classy actor, and yeah. they they turn him into some sort of. Weird, sneery scumbag. Yeah, it was it was strange. Look, I'm I'm not saying the movies are its fault. Um, I think my it's more a case that I think it's misunderstood in many ways, mm. and I think it's misunderstood because it is more filmic than Star Wars normally is. Yeah. And by that I don't mean visual; mm. I mean narratively filmic. True, but there's some classic. I mean, again, like a good TV series, there's some some episodes, if you like, mm. inside the movie, which are tremendous. I mean, I love the again. We're talking about bad fight scenes in the prequels. How cool is the fight scene where, where she and Kylo Ren team up against the Imperial Guards? In, in that throne room. It's Come beautiful. on, man. That's great. That I, is fantastic. I, I, I've, I've got to tell you, and again, huge spoiler alert here, and disregarding the, the nerd issues with yeah. what it's used for and why they didn't do this before and blah, blah, blah. Disregarding that. I have never sat in a cinema before mm. where about a quarter of the audience yeah. stood up mm. and cheered when this happened and that <laughs> yeah. was when they fly mm. Leia's cruiser oh, man. through Snoke's ship that is ship. amazing I was going to say that that is one of the best I'm scenes sorry. in a sci-fi movie ever I'm sorry dude that is mm. that is just pure cinematic fucking and, and and kudos I, I suspect to the editor who decided yeah. not to put sound in the initial impact exactly yeah I mean there's a little Brilliant. rumble after that mm. and you, that can be excused that's but, amazing but the fact is for a Pure epicness. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not joking. People stood mm. up and just went, holy fuck. No, that is an amazing... It's any sci-fi movie. 
you you put that right there yeah. as, as one of the best scenes I've seen in sci-fi. Yeah. Ever. It's just it's astounding. It's yeah. astounding. It's it's those sort of scenes, and you know, I often talk about this uh, when we we talk about sci-fi in general. It's scenes like that which make me think we can start thinking. Mm. About maybe one day creating a movie out of Ian M. Banks's uh, uh, culture, culture yeah. Uh, series, yeah, because that was very cultural for me. Because it's it a question of scale, scale, yeah, and and also using almost physics as much as you have Correct. physics in the Star Wars universe. Correct, in a kind of a sensible way. It almost makes you think that you could have a kilometers long GCU. <laughs> at traveling at light speed, oh, smashing man. through a oh, moon. Man. You know? That's so amazing. So, so yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so but I'm. It had some to... nice scenes. I love the fight scenes. In fact, that that Imperial one. Now that I think of it, the the, the final combat scene between all of them. Yeah, the real Bruce Lee into the dragon feel for me. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, yeah. You've reached the final level. Yes. Yes. And every every one of the, the Imperial guards has their own like special weapon. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, and they've got like dumb weapons. Like dumb. the dude's got like. Chains made out of lasers. And Who would like, think that is a good the idea? Fuck, you're just going to cut your own hands off, dumbass. Exactly. What a dangerous <laughs> weapon to be using. You, this is violating many safety, <laughs> yeah, safety laws. Yeah. yeah, Darth Vader comes down with the health and safety officer and he's like, I'm sorry, we're going to have to confiscate this laser sword. I find your lack of safety disturbing, Admiral. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so, Very what's, good. so what's yours? Um, so mine... Mine, instead of your Last Mm. Jedi, mine would actually be Return of the Jedi. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, but I'm, you and I, this is probably the biggest contention point between you and I when it comes to Star Wars, is you've yeah. traditionally not been a fan of that movie, and I have. Yeah. I, I, I think it is such a cop-out. I find it, mm. after Empire and the setup of these really dark and interesting themes. Right. George Lucas then throws a whole bunch of teddy bears on screen and he goes, there we go. Yeah, I see that, well done, guys. A lot of people are, the Ewoks is a love-hate thing. And I admit, and I'm not, not a because, fan. Not because they're Ewoks. I've got no problem mm. with having cute, cuddly creatures on right. screen. It's that the, the, the climax of the film is, is, is basically mm. based around merchandising. And that pisses me off. True. Uh, that pisses me off. But what I do love about Jedi, and I'll talk about that a little bit later because Jedi is significantly higher up in my list. Yeah. Um, is is the the narrative of the son returning to the father and then yeah. not being tempted to the dark side and yeah, all those but, things? That's pretty. But solid. all of that stuff is re- is both seeded and more effectively looked at mm. in Empire. Um, uh, Luke's Luke's confrontation with Vader in Empire before, oh, yeah. before he finds out, you know, in 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 um, where is it in Cloud City? Yeah, Cloud City. That 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 confrontation is so much more honest. Yeah, it's so much more honest. Oh, it's very raw. It's it's raw. It's visceral, and it. It, to me, spoke more about those characters, not because of the the decisions they took, yeah. but because of how, what their actual mm. actions were. And and to me, in the in the last one where they meet again, and now mm. Luke is, you know, thirty seconds later, he's controlled himself and is now a mm. Jedi Master. And well, it's a it's, it's a thin veneer, veneer, though, isn't it? And I think that is shown that it is a bit of a thin veneer. It, it is a thin veneer, and I mean that's what I love about that movie is it's got some very cute. Honest sequences, which you don't see much in movies anymore. So, so for instance, the thin veneer of he, he enters, you know, uh, you know, the, the the hut palace, all Jedi, you know, mm. he, he does all the right moves. He gets fucked up, but he's standing on a fucking trapdoor, dude. Yeah. And then when he gets thrown into that thing, you suddenly see how young he is, you know, because he's just like Luke again, yeah. and he's trying to kill this monster. And there's a few scenes like that which I really enjoy. Um, I, I, again, and I think this is something you said about um, about the Last Jedi is. Mm. It, I liked some episodes. Yeah. I just didn't necessarily like the entire, the entire TV production. series, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've got to say, 
the, the scene where where the, the pivotal scene where Vader realizes he can get to him through Leia mm. and realizes obviously Leia is, is his daughter. Yeah. And that rage and all that stuff. I mean, that's classic cinema. It, it's it's good cinema. I just again, I, it it wasn't written well, and it mm. it comes from such unexpected places that you kind of go, well, we know that his narrative wasn't thought out beforehand. No. We know we know that he was making it up as he went along. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it hit, and sometimes mm. it missed. Um, but but yeah, look again. I'm not going to say that it's a terrible film. I just yeah. think coming where it came. And looking back on it retrospectively, mm. it, it's not the best Star Wars film yeah. for me. And I, I guess a lot of people have commented on the fact that it's it's Boba Fett's very enigmonious exit. Yeah, his Sarlacc pit. He's just like, hey, I'm, cheers. I'm somewhat less disturbed by it. I think it's I all part of the fun. I don't give a shit about Boba Fett, I've got to tell yeah. you. And I've never get, been a big Boba we'll, we'll Fett We'll get fucking hate mail boy. for that. Yeah. But you know what? He he spent like a literal total of 45 seconds on screen in three films. No, I mean, so we get it. He's Jeez. a very competent bounty hunter. but He's not even competent. Well, I think that's what makes it so funny is he's got this reputation. He's, he's completely and fucking incompetent. And then he gets accidentally killed. Yeah, and on, on Take Your Son to Work Day. <laughs> I mean, really, what a fucking... Take your son to Work Day. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's a, he's a rubbish he's he really is rubbish he's he, love that I, I can't stand him and i think it's good that he, he well supposedly should have died whatever yeah. the fuck happened but I, I i think you're wrong um now that we've established that you're wrong about <laughs> yes, yes, Return yes, of the that's, Jedi. Fair. that's fair yeah okay that's cool but uh interesting so, but this this is always going to be our difference in the comes stars is these this particular movie yeah quite possibly yeah. great soundtrack though Great soundtrack, mm. great soundtrack. But I mean, John Williams, what the fuck? No, I actually, really. I actually last night watched the original trailer for the first Star Wars. Oh wow! With so there's no John Williams music. Mm. The, yeah, really, I haven't seen that. It was the, yeah, it's 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 basically just a little bit of orchestral kind of flourishes. Um, the Star Wars font hadn't been uh, developed yet, no, so that, it's just shocking. plain writing Star Wars. Wow! Uh, and it all comes off so pulpy. So mm. pulpy, so which is the fear he had, I guess. Which is the th- exactly, yeah. but then you put John Williams' score over the top mm. of it, and it suddenly becomes epic. One last thing about Jedi, though, which which I would say is that I think one of the reasons it, it is not such a bad movie is that a lot of those actors then were already pretty mature. You know that they had reached the maturity of acting, like Harrison Ford and and Carrie Fisher. You're not buying this, are you? I'm not buying that <laughs> at all, my friend. I uh, uh, allow me allow me to posit a theory. That the only I capable actor... I thought you were buying it there for a second. No, no, no. That was just, that's just my fate. Mm. The only capable actor, and this, mm. is, and this is very broadly using the word capable, out of that entire cast, yeah. was Harrison Ford. Yeah, and he's, he's not the most dynamic actor no, out there. No, Harrison Ford He always has, looks a bit tired. He's got fucking charisma in bucket loads, which is the triumph of... of Does he? Well, Harrison, I solo, I guess. No, in everything he's done. Harrison no, Ford right. has got a charming rakishness mm, that everyone loves. This is true. Everyone loves. In his he, later movies, he becomes just tired and old. Yeah, yeah, but even then, it's like, oh, it's charming, rakish, tired and old Harrison Ford. <laughs> you know? People love Harrison mm. Ford. That's the way it is. He didn't have to be a great actor because he had a, he had a good part mm. and he made it up as he went along and well done to him. Yeah. Mark Hamill, you know, I'm glad he found a career after Star yeah. Wars. Um you know, in voiceover and now in, in this trilogy, mm. you know, well done to him as well. Not He's not the most phenomenal Oscar-winning no. actor in the world. And Carrie Fisher was never an And actor. Carrie Fisher she's just comes from Hollywood royalty and that was the only reason mm. she was ever there. Well, she's a writer. I mean, that's her thing. She writes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And on, on screen, she was wooden. Um, and mm. Billy Dee Williams is fun to watch. Billy Dee Williams, yes, sure. And then he spent mm. and in 20, 20 years doing B-films, mm. you know, True. It, it 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 wasn't necessary for it to be a great acting 
class. Yeah. It just it just needed to be functional, which it was. Mm. But those things. Let's not forget the good acting from you know the guy who's the Wookiee. You all. <laughs> oh yeah, but, uh, uh, Peter Mayhew. Yeah. Well, shit. Never, let's not forget the seventeen puppeteers inside Jabba the Hutt. That that's some that's phenomenal. some fucking emoting right there. <laughs> anyway, let's okay. let's move on to our next one. Okay. So now that I've convinced uh, Matt that he's all wrong, wrong, wrong about uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that hasn't happened. It probably hasn't, no. Uh, it's time for another beer. We are, after all, a beer and geekery yes. podcast. And I have put into our glasses, our very nice Bristol glasses, a very red, could I almost say pink beer. And um, pink usually means one thing in a beer. Fruit. Yep. Or I guess you could probably get pink out of something like hibiscus or something like that. But normally fruit. And this is indeed a fruit beer. One of Matt's least favorite styles of beer, I may have to say. Mm. This is a little bit of a different one. It's one I've been looking forward to, actually. And it's from a brewery I'm really excited about. And it's the Little Wolf Brewery's Kirsch. And it's a sour blonde beer aged in Chardonnay barrels with cherries and black currants. Definitely smell the black currant. Lots mm. of black currant. And it's a bit of a thing now down in the Cape where a lot of the breweries there are aging their beers in wine barrels. Obviously, it's not difficult to find a wine barrel in the Cape. You want to swing a cat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's a nice, interesting amalgam of styles between wine and beer and shows, goes to show that you can actually combine them. Yeah. What do you think, man? Um, I love the color. I think the color is beautiful. What's fascinating, though, is, is when you smell the beer, it smells like Chardonnay. It smells like a Chardonnay. No, there's, a, there's definitely like a wine night there, huh? I but think no, but there's a lot of black currants as well. It's yeah. a, it's a, there's, you know what it, it reminds me of is kind of those um, those fruit champagnes, mm. like a pink champagne. Sure, yeah. That's but, really but the, there definitely is the woodiness, the, the oak of the Chardonnay barrel, which because that oaky, vanilla-y kind of butterscotch stuff which you get from a Chardonnay sometimes comes a little bit from the wood. Mm. And there's a lot of that. I mean, if you could probably fool a wine drinker in saying this is a Chardonnay if they just smell it. There's Marcel's favorite flavor in the world. Mm. And it's sour. Very, very sour. Yeah. But dry. Very, very, very dry. Very dry, very sour. But that's that's the good kind of sour. For the homebrewers out there who are attempting sour beers, it's not the easiest beer to make properly. And and that's one of the big differences, is that uh, off-sour beer often is wet sour. Mm. I know that sounds a bit weird. Yeah. but no, like dense sour. It's got a density to it, yeah. a multi-layeredness, not in a good way, which usually means it's really contaminated. But... The, the nice sour beers have a dry finish, and the sourness really is a flavor profile more than a you know something inherently flawed in the beer. The nice thing also is, as you take the sip, there's a little bit of sweetness, mm. and that sweetness converts into the sourness. Yeah, you know, in your mouth, it's very much like having some sour cherries. Maybe there's that initial sweetness for the mm. cherry, but there's a definite sour. Mm. But this is not mouth puckering sour. I mean, it's not like no. a sour sweetie. You know, like those sour no, 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 no. sweets you have, which really no, it doesn't. You know, the saliva doesn't immediately yeah. go. Like Your explode. eyes don't start tearing up. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. And this uh, is a limited I'm release, by the way. It's apparently only 500 bottles will be made. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you're one of the lucky 500. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's inspired by the Cricks of Belgium, which is a, their um, the sort of sour, sour beers. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily lambic, but yeah, it can be lambic. Mm. Um, tart, rich, and funky. I very much like their branding. I like their bottle. I love I their branding. It's nice, very clean. Mm. This is different from their normal branding, which often has a lot of uh, illustrative art on it. This is much more basic. 
But that's pretty standard for limited release. You don't want to spend too much effort and time and money on, on a lot of illustration. Mm. But it still is consistent with the brand, I think. It's very, it's nice. I really mm. like it. I like it. That color is also very, very cool. It really is. And it. I think the amalgam of a sort of a wine-like Venice taste, the wood and the beer, it all kind of plays well together. Yeah, I'm, look, uh, you're not going to convince me mm. on the style. Um, but if I were to say whether it was competent mm. in its style, absolutely. It, it's not unpleasant to drink. Not at all. It's, it, you're definitely right. The blackcurrant comes out in the back end of that flavor mm. profile. Oh, there's um, like, there, there's mm. a vague, and I, this is, you know, I mean, we're torn apart by purists, but there's almost like um, a snake bite. <laughs> do you know you know the snake bites that you get in London pubs? Yeah, that yeah. blackcurrant mm. um, cider and and yeah. beer, and sure, it's, this isn't a, a snake mm. bite, but it's that amalgam of flavors. Absolutely, you know, uh, not as mm. abrupt, but but sour and fruit flavors go well together. I mean, that's the principle behind things like a Berliner Weiss, also a sour style beer, but in the, it is often served with a fruit kind of um, syrup to balance out the sourness. Mm. And this is now all in one. I really enjoy this beer. I mean, I'm way more fond of sour beers than you, Matt. Yeah. Um, so I could probably have quite a few of these. Yeah. But as a just a sort of a sit-down, interesting mm. flavor. 100%. Got good layers. 100%. It's certainly an interesting beer. Well, it's definitely outside my comfort zone, you know, in terms of the type of beers I normally drink. Mm. So so I, I can appreciate that. And again, it's, very, it's, it's an interesting beer, and I like that. I really like the fact that it's a competently made interesting beer. It's not just... Interesting for the fact mm. that we can put different ingredients in a beer. Yeah, it's very common in the matter, and, and lucky in a sense, I guess, because that's always the risk involved in putting any beer in, into a barrel, you know, as a brewer, is you, anything can happen. Mm. And, mm. and beer is not as forgiving yeah, sure. as wine is to yeah. be put in a barrel. So you could have easily had a beer so sour that it's undrinkable or with too much, you know, contamination. And, and you know, you're, you're trying to look for those sort of lactobacillus and yeah. Britannomyces type of profile inside of barrels which which harbor those organisms yeah and and this is a very well balanced beer. it is it is it is very well balanced and uh, you know especially for someone who doesn't drink the style mm. um it's not it's not objectionable to my palate so it's it's so not, nice speaking a, of things not objectionable to your palate man. <laughs> uh, layer in a bikini <laughs> why not you yeah, oh, didn't mention that that's one of the redeeming no. features of that movie well, you, you know what? I think a lot is made about that lay in a bikini thing, and I feel that we can't just rest on that. You know, probably not. Probably not. Um, anyway, sorry. That's a that's actually quite a nice beer. You you've you've convinced me more about sour mm. beers with this than you have about uh, Return of the Jedi. Well, you know, at least there's about a fifty percent success. Yeah, at least you're trying. Um, we're now halfway. Yes, we're now at the middle of our selection. So we literally are going to select the halfway Star Wars movie. Yes. Not horrible, but not the best either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, okay. So what is your number? What is your middle of the ground? It is episode four, A New Hope. The, so the, the original. First, the what first we all, Star Wars. Yeah, of people of our age would say is yes. the original Star Wars. Yes. Called Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. I think it does the job, you know. Yeah. And it, it, it's obviously the first one. Yeah, it establishes um, the mythos. And it's not, and given that it's so hokey in terms of special effects and acting is not great... It does pretty well in comparison to movies which should have done way better, yeah. with way better actors in it, with way better budgets, yeah. like the prequels, yeah. um, that uh, you've got to give it to old Lucas that he does create a very compelling world right Absolutely. away. Absolutely. The world building is second to none. And, and, yeah. and he, he struck that fine, fine balance between 
giving enough information to understand the world that you are mm. watching and leaving a lot to be discovered in the journey. Exactly. Um, it was the prototypical, mm. uh, what was it, Joseph Campbell, yeah, the Hero of a Thousand Faces, mm. the Hero's Journey. It was prototypical. I mean, literally, it was the textbook. Yeah. If only it stuck to that. Thanks. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, we, we wouldn't mind it if the prequel trilogy perhaps had stuck a little bit closer to that. You had it right there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you did it. You did it. What did you? Yeah. What happened? Um, yeah, I like the movie. It it has all the components of a good three act story. It's yeah. like you say, the prototypical hero's journey. It introduces. I remember being very young when I saw that, and I mean, Darth Vader was scary, yeah, man. Terrifying. Scary. Terrifying. Big guy in his cloak with a funny voice can yeah. kill people with just you know yeah. his mind. Yeah. Scary stuff. And, and again, I mean, this, people might even mm. see this as a flaw, uh, mm. but I think it, it adds to the mystique of the character that there is no, there's nothing seeded mm. in, uh, in A New Hope about Darth Vader's provenance. Mm. You know what I mean? The, 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 the Jedi and the Skywalker family and everything like that is, is only really introduced mm. in Empire. And, and I, I like that. I know that it's a, a, it could be a fault mm. in the storytelling, but I do like that. I, I like the fact that that is a self-contained little movie no and it, it tells the story on that basis and it, it introduces ideas and concepts and characters we've never seen before yeah yeah and prior it, to that movie and it gave the world ilm True. industrial light and magic is because of that you know yeah no it gave people like adam savage a job <laughs> yes no, exactly it can't be a bad thing no um the, uh, i'll i'll agree with you because i think in new hope mm. is my is my pick Middle, for that position yeah. as well um I, I very much, I, I, you know, the, I like the introduction of uh, of Han Solo, mm. who's become, you know, a, yeah. an epochal character. Yes, he's the prototypical smuggler, yeah. roguish, rakish, yeah. you know, um, scoundrel. Yeah, uh, a wonderful character. Yeah. And if you're looking at a way to establish and 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 grow a big bad, mm. then the the character journey, the arc of the Emperor yeah. from A New Hope mm. through that trilogy. Yeah. That's the way you do it. But he's not introduced in the first movie. No, right? but no, but he. But you are aware mm. that Darth Vader is taking orders from somebody, right? You yeah. are aware that that mm. there is there's someone behind the scenes. Yeah, and yeah. that that kind of process, I, I think, was brilliant. But what I like about that first movie also is that it's not obvious who's in control because in that movie, especially the, you know, Admiral Tarkin is still sort of Grand pulling, Grand Grand Moff Tarkin. He's yeah. still pulling the strings so, mm. because him him and Vader seem more equals. Yeah, he's then, able to. He's able to discipline Vader. Yeah, he is, mm. and and you never ever see that again. Yeah, once he's gone, Vader's in control yeah. and, and kind of out of control. Yeah, it? well, I think I think that might establish process through which mm. the the empire works. Yes. You know, in that Darth Vader isn't he, mm. he's kind of next to it. Yeah, he's, but, he's, he's part but he's of also it, the big bad scary guy that the Emperor sends in to he's get things done. He's the thug. Yeah. He's the he's the brawn. Yeah, everyone's afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, nice to agree on something. Well, finally, it has taken us many, many years <laughs> <laughs> to get to this point. So, um, so let's the next one. Next one up. Next one up. So, what, what would this be in fourth place? Would it? Fifth. Fifth place. Fifth place. Yeah. In fifth place. So, so you go first, man. What's your number five? Mine There's up. quite a few still missing in this lineup, so I'm interested to see where. I'm, I suspect I know. Maybe I think our number five is the same. Let's see. Um, my number five is Solo, a Star Wars oh, story. Okay. Mine is, it's the Han Solo origin mm, story, right? Uh, which I thought was a perfectly competent, competent mm. film. Um, I, 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 I like it less because of what could have been, right? what I think they could have done with that story, mm. not because of what was on, on the film, which, right. I think, which I thought was mm. fine, which I thought was perfectly serviceable. I really enjoyed Solo. I think mine is not Solo. Mine is Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Um, but Solo and Force Awakens are very similar to me in, in that uh, level. Um, 
my next one up is is solo. So oh, tell us your entire yeah list now. I will. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, well, you mentioned solo, man. But uh, no, I, I liked solo. I thought it was a really cool adventure story. It was an adventure for me. Story, it returned yeah. back to the Star Wars idea of being in a, a space opera, sure, sure, rather than this, you know, some sort of other story. Yes. Yeah. No, I get that. Mm. I get why that can be appealing. Yeah. Yeah. So now for me, it was Force Awakens. Is is my number mm. five, and mm. uh, I think it did better than expected for me. I thought it was. We all were a little bit weary of that one, and mm. think, oh, is this going to be another prequel? Mm. So I think he did in that sense of just assuring us it's not another prequel. Yeah, he he scored ten out of ten. But I think also, you know, the the converse to that argument is the fact that if it wasn't as bad as the prequels, mm. it was immediately going to be brilliant. If you know, yeah. if you know what I mean, like because I mean, you and I discussed it after we mm. watched it. And it it remi- it really reminded me. Sorry, we're not talking Force Awakens, not Solo, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but Force Awakens reminded me of what it felt like to watch the original trilogy. Yeah, you know, very very much so. Very it, gave me that, it gave me that feeling. I mean, even mm. I watched it with my dad in the cinema, and that was yeah. that was such a brilliant moment for us. You know, mm. um, uh, but but anyway, so and they had the same scope. I think Force yeah. Awakens has the same scope as the yeah. big canvas yeah. movies where solo is a, is a tiny canvas movie right yeah uh, look one thing i do want to say about solo and i think that the, and this is very much the opposite tack to what a lot of people have taken is that i feel that um the lead actor alden ironrock uh who plays you know the harrison ford mm. um character i thought he was phenomenal i, I thought, thought he was, was believable as i thought that he character. was utterly believable i thought he played a young han solo as well as anyone mm. else could have I really, you know, people were, were giving him shit about his acting and his mm. accent and all sorts of things. And I thought he he was, to me, besides maybe Woody Harrelson, who, you know, yeah. is incredible in everything he does. He's always good. I, th- I think that Alden Ironrock was, was, was phenomenal in the mm. role. And what else has he been in, man? Um, he, the thing that I remember him in was that he was in a Coen Brothers film, mm. uh, Hail Caesar. Oh, I didn't see that one. He, he, he plays a... a uh, 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 there's a level of irony in this because mm. he play he's a a swashbuckling actor he's like oh, the, yeah. the the Bruce Wayne uh, not Bruce Wayne the the John Wayne type guy oh, who yeah. only does Errol Flynn or... the, yeah he only does kind of adventure films or he does westerns mm. um and he's he's got this heavy Wyoming accent <laughs> okay. and then he's 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 put in a period piece right so he you know in a, in a Roman uh, no this is before the Roman oh, okay. so he's put in a like a 1920s farce <laughs> So you know he walks into the room and they, and uh, Ray Fiennes is the director. Oh wow! And Ray Fiennes is just like you got to say, um, you got to say, would that it were. So mm. you know, so he walks in and he's like, would that it were. So <laughs> would that it were. And, and Ray Fiennes obviously is pulling his ear out. Ray Fiennes just progressively gets more and more annoyed <laughs> by how this kid is in, incapable. I must see that movie. of putting on a transatlantic accent. <laughs> <laughs> He's a, uh, it's very very funny and, and Alden Ehrenreich you know it's a bit of a throwaway part but mm. he was good in that you know yeah. he, he's been in one or two other things as well but mm. um, you know Solo was supposed to be his breakout yeah. and it, I, I think, don't think it's going to be no and I, I'm mystified at the lack of success that movie has enjoyed or critical yeah. acclaim I thought it was a spot on Star Wars in fact it gets into the Star Wars universe in many different ways which I think is very authentic you know yeah, it shows sure. Life under the empire, you yeah. know, which is great. You yeah. know, it shows that there were criminal organizations and vying yeah, different certainly. ones. There's underworlds, underlands. I, I thought it was just great, you know, and and it's got it's got Chewbacca in it. No, I, think, I mean it's got Wookies. I dig Wookies. I'm a big Wookie fan. <laughs> what can be better? It's a walking carpet. Yeah. I mean the scene where he meets Chewbacca in that yeah. funny pit. 
And the yeah, fact yeah. that he was a grunt in the Empire and that there were yeah. grunts in the Empire. I mean, yeah. all that stuff makes sense to me. I mean, it's just No, no, no. I, I, I very much enjoy that. I really, mm. really do. So your, your next one was Force Awakens. Yeah, so, so Force Awakens for me, I think it did, like you said, it paid fan service. It was many, very much like watching the original trilogy. Yeah. For me, the, the reason I put it down here is that it was just for me too close to the original trilogy. And mm. a lot of people, that was its main criticism, is mm. you were basically rebooting everything. It's, yeah, very much so. Instead of the Death Star, you have this funny base. Yeah, it's which just is a bigger big planet. Death Star. Okay. Um, it's just more Death Star, more of the time. <laughs> more Death Star. Yeah. You've got the same sort of dynamic going on. Well, I think, you know, they were trying to obviously avoid the, the prequel disaster. And I think in doing so, they were maybe too conservative. They were too conservative. But at the same time, it was really the only way to regain that trust. Yeah. Was let's give them what we know they love mm-hmm. and it'll work. I guess it's similar, you know, like if you, if you were the shipbuilder of the Titanic, your very next ship <laughs> 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 was going to be the most conservative yeah. passenger liner ever yes. built. It was only going to do coastal, you know, routes. Yeah. It was not going to go across Atlantic, and it was never going near any icebergs. We promise this one won't sink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in a way, it was that no, sort of... for sure, for sure. Post-Titanic kind of thing. Okay. Now, my, this one for me is Force Awakens. Right, mine solo. So we just okay, swapped... Okay, so we've swapped uh, that over. We traded... Uh, That's that cool. One. So we've, dis- we've discussed those. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Just one more thing about Solo, though, which I really enjoyed, is the strong female characters as well, which, which came out now... Um, again with most of the in fact I mean that is one thing I cannot fault uh, Lucas on is that from the very beginning even in 1977 when mm. um, you know episode 4 came out he had strong female characters yeah sure not seen often in, in those times in movies yeah yeah even though you know in the in the kind of prequel trilogy Padme you know gets like mm. one one chance to shine in battle and then True. Well, she does Fox shine quite off. well, though. I mean, she, you know, she does. shoots that laser blaster. She shoots that laser blaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we ours are swapped over. We've got Solo and mm. Force Awakens, and then Force yeah. Awakens, and then Solo. But I must say, if you haven't seen Solo yet, um, go see it. It's an it's a very cool yeah. rip roaring yarn. There was no reason for it to fail as badly as it did. No, it's a good adventure was, movie. I don't. Uh, there was. I think it was just a general blowback to yeah. the constant Star Wars over exposure perhaps and also I, th- I think in many of these sort of franchises uh, star trek probably the same is you get a you get a group of very dysfunctional genre maniacs you know mm. who, who are super you know sort of strict about how what they consider to be canonical or what they consider to be their sacred movie yeah. and they yeah, actually sure. ruin the fun a little bit for me many of of people who are just into it for the fun of it yeah i uh, know fair enough fair um enough. But I, I mean, Solo for me was almost like Indiana Jones in space. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Better than the actual Indiana Jones with space in it, um, which is the crystal, the crystal skull. skull yeah. I suppose you could probably say there's space in it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> not that anyone's going to go watch that again. No. Even if you haven't watched it, you're mm, not missing much. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah. Okay. So now top, to that time of the uh, day where we're getting the top three. Top three. So this is really where the rubber hits the road for me, or perhaps not if it's a speeder and it floats above it. Yes, there's no actual traction. There's no actual traction. Um, so for the last beer as well, I think it's time for us to to get something out here which I find intriguing. Um, it's from a brewery we've never, ever had a beer from before. I like and, that can. Um, it's another canned beer. And Hop Session, Hop Session, Hop Session, get it. Uh-huh. Ah, ah. Oh, I just got that. So the beer is called Hop Session. It's from Afro-Caribbean Brewing Company, established 2014. They are from 
a very famous brew pub, which is now a brew pub in Cape Town, which oh. is a sort of a beer mecca for, for craft lovers in this country. And it is the um, Banana Jam Cafe. The Banana Jam Cafe. Have you heard of Banana Jam Cafe? I haven't, but I'm not a big uh, right. aficionado of Cape Town mm. social scene. I think it's somewhere near Kenilworth, or I, I, don't, I don't really know Cape Town suburbs very well. All the Cape Townians are now laughing at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Banana Jam Cafe is really, it's one of those places where you can hardly ever get parking. It's so busy. It's busy, yeah. Um, Banana, Banana Jam Cafe yeah. started Afro-Caribbean, and, and their beers are on tap there. But now they're also canning and bottling. Um, and it's a very intriguing, uh, intriguing can. It's also island styling. Awesome. Let me have a look at that. It is very island styling. That's mm. cool. I, I I love the fact that it's so different. Yeah. It's not a craft beer can. I what like do you mean it. by that? The the usual tropes. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Mm. And they use like a they use lobster font on you right. know with some. Although to be honest, Matt, I would actually prefer if more. South African craft brewers just use lobster fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're not even at the stereotypical no, stage sure, yet. You know, sure. they're still at the let's make it in paint. I, I, I just I, I like the fact that it's a a well done design yeah. and done differently. No, for that's sure. very very cool. Yeah, it's it's a fresh design. It it speaks coastal and and sort of lightness, light heartedness. Yeah, it's actually it's very Durban-y actually in, a, in the way it's kind mm, of branded. Sure, but I suppose that's kind of just because Durban seems very islandy and beachy and true. Nice, pour, the, pour that, mm. pour that. Yeah, so they call it a hoppy pale ale. Um, okay, top three, man. <sighs> Go. Three. Right, so at this point in time is where I will put The Last Jedi. Right. So so, so I'm actually surprised at, at you putting it that high up. I, because I remember when, we, when we've spoken about it over time, mm. your rating of it seemed to have gone down. But I, it, like initially you enjoyed yeah. the experience, but then... yeah. I think you're right. I think that's exactly what happened. Is I think I saw it and I was overwhelmed mm. with, with it, and I and I loved it. And I think that perhaps I did also then become more exposed to a lot of the criticisms about it, which are in many ways very valid about the storyline, about the narrative, um, and and that kind of I, I cooled on it a little bit. And then um, and then I watched it again recently, mm. and and a lot of the passion and love that I had for it the first time I watched it came back again. Yeah. And and I, I think it's I think there's two other elements that also come into it. Number one is recency bias. That the fact is mm. that it's the you know the one that I saw most recently. Right. Um, and the other one is that I, I feel quite protective over it. I think it's a misunderstood film. Okay, so and why why would you say what is misunderstood about? I think I think the criticisms that people have for the Last mm. Jedi are not entirely warranted. Uh, a lot of a lot of the themes that people take away from it are the exact opposite of what was actually trying to be said. You know, we we we, we had this discussion earlier where uh, a lot of people thought that the idea was that uh, Luke Skywalker was throwing away the Jedi heritage, right? And he 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 tries to do that. He, he wants mm. to do that. He's a fallen hero. He's become. Um, disassociated from that entire mythos and by the end Mm. if you don't realize that he's changed his mind no you're an idiot you're then you then you're not getting the film Mm. the the whole idea is that the the galaxy needs heroes yeah those little kids on the casino planet who have Mm. nothing and live in squalor the very last thing you see in that film is one of them is force sensitive Mm. and he's force sensitive because of the fact that these heroes exist yeah and a lot of people walked away from that going, oh, you know, Ron Johnson has thrown away the entire Jedi heritage and he's done this and says it's pointless and he's burnt the, the magical books. Mm. But that, again, that's part Which of the point. Didn't. 
but yeah. But, yeah, but, but even Yoda says that mm. the power isn't in books. It's in people. Mm. And the people... It's, well, no, some it's interpreted your, that just as a typical Yoda sneaky well, move aphorism. because he, he knew that, that Ray had taken the books. And so when he says that nothing yeah, is there which he doesn't really have, maybe, but it's literal. But it's, but it's also irrelevant because no, he's sure. talking to Luke Skywalker. He's yeah. trying to convince Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker isn't aware of what the, what the provenance of the books mm. is. The, the point is that Yoda is saying to him that you are a hero whether you want to be or not. Yeah. Go and be that hero. And, and Go and give your life for yeah. this galaxy that you have fought 40 years before to save. And in that sense also that it is a classic hero's journey thing mm. is the hero's journey always includes the idea of the hero um, saying no to the call. That's exactly it. That's you know? exactly it. And, and this is a classic example of a very long yeah. standing way for Luke yeah. Skywalker to behave. So. And, and the fact that you know people didn't mm. like the the sacrifice that he made because mm. it's Luke Skywalker, that was the sacrifice that had to be made. Yeah. That's what solidifies the theme of the film. And I, I must say, I mean, when I, what I really enjoyed about that film is the fact that it's this force projection thing and it, it gets all very mystical and he, he's levitating. And but it, it, I dug it, that. I but, thought that's really what the force is supposed to be. But that's, that's exactly the thing, is that it goes to show that Luke, at this point in his life, is actually so unbelievably powerful yeah. that he transports his very spirit to another planet. Yeah. And that's, this guy is, that's fucking epic. Yeah, he's that's a master. fucking epic. Okay, so that's, that's my mm. number three. Yeah. But I mean, so what's your number three? Yeah. three. So my number three is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. When I see it now, it still doesn't really age for me. I think the special effects are pretty good, actually. Yeah. I mean, that was also where ILM was at its height of model building. Yeah. Well, and, that was and blue screen six stuff. or seven years on from uh, yeah. seven, six years on from uh, the first old. Also, one of the one of the Star Wars movies where you really see these huge epic space battles, yeah. you know, where again it's it's Ian and Banksy culture yeah. level stuff, yeah. you know, where big starships are trying to destroy each other. Yeah. So it's 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 fun to watch. Mm, no, sure. Yeah. I do I do I do like that kind of mm. gigantic spaceships in space doing stuff. It's it's very compelling, mm. right? Mm. Um, you know, the, the, even the scene where, yeah, I mean, you just you just see this the, the scale of things. Yeah. You know, the, the Death Star is so much bigger than everything else, and yeah. even those things are big. And let's face it, those final emotional moments with uh, with Luke and, yeah. and Vader, and you Vader's like, "Let it. me see you with my own eyes." You know, yeah. that's a it's good stuff. That's pretty heartbreaking. It's, that's pretty it's, heartbreaking. It's that's dramatic. Yeah, that's dramatic, that, that, that's cinema. That's Lucas understanding to, right. where to take a story. Well, there, there were some nice scenes again, like you know we spoke of earlier. But in in you know Return of the Jedi, there are some really cool scenes where you start realizing that Luke isn't wrong about Vader. Like, yeah. like the scene where yeah, he, he can he, be redeemed. He surrenders himself and he, he looks at the lightsaber and stuff. And then sooner or later in that conversation, um, you know, Luke says, you know, come with me, father or whatever. Yeah. And, and Vader and says, a, it's too late for me now, yeah, but son. He, but you see, yeah, but you see, and he pauses. Like there's, yeah. a, there's a pause. There's a genuine. Yeah, he's thinking he about think, it. He's like, oh, can, I, can I give this up? Can I mm. be, can I, and, and the nice thing is there's a, even though it's a retrospective tie-in, yeah. it ties back into the kid that Anakin was. Mm. You know, that mm. can I go back to being a child or can I go back yeah. to trusting and mm. caring? And No, I'm too far gone. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. That's some nice, dramatic, yeah. professionally done moments. No, won't, I won't disagree with you. No. I won't disagree with you. How's this beer, by the way? I was just about to say, it's actually really nice. Mm. It's nice. It's not as hoppy as I thought it was going to be for something that's called Hop Session. Hop Session. Um, very, I thought it would be a bit crunchier. Very pineapple-like, roasted pineapple almost I'm getting from the nose. Yeah, but the um, the kind of more acidic side of the pineapple, mm. not the sweet side of it. Mm. You know? it's, it's nice. It's Definitely nicely a lot of balanced. Hops. It is a lot of hops. You can, the mm. dankness of it is unmistakable. Mm. 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 You're not sure? Yeah, you know, you know how I feel about hops. 
I would, Are you I, saying the, you surpassed me in hop toleration? Quite, quite possibly. <laughs> Although you, you're still able to handle the uh, the double IPA from from uh, Agars, and I can't. So. That is that is something that which one. is a, which is crunchy as fuck. Yeah. Now this one is. This is nice. I mean, it's 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 um, it's hoppy on the nose. It's definitely the, one of the denser beers we've had today. Mm. Most of the beers we've had are quite light. Sure, but isn't this the only IPA we've had today? True. Well, they don't come out and say it's an IPA. Just the parallel. But uh, it could be. Yeah. Well, I think isn't it a cop out to call something a hoppy beer and make it a parallel and not make it an IPA? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think this is probably more close to an American pale ale. Uh-huh. So your American pale ales are hoppier. Um, then let's say the English pale ales fence. So no, I don't think it's it's a cop out at all. Um, no, I think if they made an IPA, they would say it's an IPA. Yeah, this is, yeah, fair enough. Well, I, well, I, I like it for it being a. Mm. It's not a faux IPA. We can't classify it there. Mm. Although I have to say that it is more of an IPA than some beers claiming to be an IPA mm. um, at the moment. But this is this is more an American pale ale. Very nice. It's very easy drinking. I actually quite like the fact that you know I could probably have a couple of those, mm. whereas you don't get that. You won't get that hops fatigue. No. As badly. No, no, I mean, it's not that high in alcohol. I think it's 4.5, uh, which is pretty standard for, mm. for craft beers nowadays. And um, yeah, Well, I've, very, I, I very well much balanced. like it. Yeah, I'd like to taste some other stuff from them because that's a mm. competent beer. They definitely make some IPAs because they are really into hops. Uh, I know the crowd there, they're mm. really into hops. And, okay, great. But they're real craft beer fans, and I think that they're going to produce some very, very interesting stuff. And they also from what I can tell, not afraid to go a bit radical, you know, and, and, and put some interesting ingredients in beer mm. and, and go a little bit more extreme. So I'm go looking forward drifter. to seeing, uh, yeah, like mm. Drifter. Um, What's the distribution like? How, how do they very, it, yeah? very localized. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen uh, any of the beers up here. So mostly, like I said, they started just distributing in the pub itself, um, in Banana Jam, and then uh, only recently started canning. Mm. Uh, so let's, let's see. I mean, they probably will become a bit more easily available okay well it's nice it's really yeah, really good very very nice competent beer yeah and also again competent there's no flaws exactly i mean the days where you 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 kind of have to almost discard half the beers you buy mm, because of flawed, flawed yeah. uh, fortunately now seem to be over mm. especially from from the cape Tonian breweries but they, i mean that's also that's a hallmark of the professionalism that's entered the coffee industry. yeah exactly no they, they're yeah. getting very professional yeah we're at number two man. number two it can only be one of two yes Yes, it can. So now, and, and this is a, this is actually a tough. It's call a tough because one. The, the, these two. I think this is the same for both of us. Well, yes. We've let, these two are, are our top only two. two left. So oh, shit. Yeah, it's okay. now whether you are going to be correct, <laughs> <laughs> or if you're going <laughs> in to be selecting wrong. the obviously best Star Wars movie ever made, yeah. or wrong, yeah, uh, and get seduced by the dark side. I've got a yeah. I've got a feeling that I'm going to be wrong. I suspect that you. I suspect you and I are different. Yeah. yeah. I, I can almost guarantee that we'll be different. Yeah. But let's see. I mean, shall I go first? You go first. So my number two is probably your number one. Yes. And that is Rogue One. That's correct. Yeah. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. But the fact that it's number two for me is significant because a couple of, I guess a couple of years ago when it just came out, I wouldn't have put, on first glance, I wouldn't have put Rogue One as mm. high as I have. Mm. But having subsequently watched it, mm. it, it is a magnificently good yeah, movie. It's astounding. It really is. Yeah, it's a Star Wars movie in in all the right ways that you can say that. And it's not a Star Wars movie yeah. in all the right ways. Exactly. It's yeah. and and you've 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 alerted me to the fact, and I think that was the start of where I started changing my view on it. Is is it's a war movie? It's a war film. It's, it's a proper it's war. It's a brilliantly film. done war film. Mm. It's 
It's trenches. It's infantry. It's it's saving Private Ryan only yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, you know, so it's not as graphic and as disturbing. Yeah, sure. It's still there's still a pulpy element to it. Yeah, and and there's there's humor in it, which is very Star Wars oriented mm. humor. Mm. Um, but it's it's got everything you need in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, you know, what I what I very much like about it, I mean, besides the the things that you've already mentioned, is it's you know it it's a sad story. It mm. finishes with sacrifice. Oh, yeah. And it's the Not only Star Wars film. Yeah, it's the only standard, the Star Wars film that doesn't end with an element of hope, except mm. for the fact that there is a possibility that we have now got the information that will allow us to yeah. move forward. But that is all kind of subtext to the fact that these the, the heroes die on a beach. <laughs> They're all dead. That's what happens, you know. And <laughs> and I, I love that about it. I love the fact that it's a war film. I love the mm. characters. I think. I love the fact that they're not shoved in our faces. That yeah. they're not—they're not necessarily archetypes. They're understandable. Mm. Um, I think she is a phenomenal lead. I think—I think what a wonderful she was, character. She was just brilliant. She's flawed mm. and she's damaged and she's angry. And yeah. there's a that, that the family tack that they've taken. You know, her Very father good. is single-handedly responsible mm. for both their downfall and their possible, yeah. you know, victory. It's and what a wonderful application of of the other actor. So the director Krennic played by Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn, that's mm. right. He was he's phenomenal. I think he's, he's a fantastic actor. He is. I first saw him in a in a movie, very indie kind of movie with Brad Pitt, where he's a, a part of a, a duo of criminals who rip off this. Killing me softly. Yeah, yeah, they rip off a poker game. Killing me softly. That's it. And, and he's, he's like a down on his luck. He's this dirty. Downtrod. He's dirty. He looks yeah. dirty throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a yeah. No, he's he's phenomenal. He's really good. Mads Mikkelsen mm. is in. And Can't he plays him. the dad, and he is unbelievable. Like I'd watch that guy, mm. just you know, urinating his name in the snow. <laughs> he's he's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. No, he's the, compelling. The droid uh, Alan Tudyk. Mm. He plays the sarcastic, yeah. wonderful character, military droid. droid. Yeah, and it's also now again you, for the first time we see something we knew must have existed mm. is, is these hardcore imperial yeah. military droids, war, war droids. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, must be scary, so. right? Yeah. So and he does it so well. Yeah. Um, and um, and Donnie Yoon's character, who's mm. the the kind of the keeper of the of the wills of the the yeah, Jedi. I, stone. I enjoyed that angle, you know. That again, because he's not a Jedi. Yeah. But you know that that like just it's like any religion, it's got it's got to be hanger on popes and mm. archbishops and friars and you know that kind of thing. Well, I like that because all the things you see there are things you'd always imagine must be there, exactly. but you've never seen them. Yeah. Um, the yeah. the breakaway rebel group who are more yeah. radical than the rebels yeah, who think they're too conservative. Like, he's a, yeah, he's the crazy, crazy. Yeah, he's like, ah, let's blow shit, you know, <laughs> blow up and kill, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. The 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 ends always justify mm. the means. And I think the fact that that they're showing a side of the like because it's not just a war movie; it's also a bit of a spy movie. Yeah, in the yeah, sense that so. that there, there must be some dirty tricks going on on yeah. both sides. There must be some dark things happening, even on the good side. Yeah, and and that's. The whole premise of the story yeah. is that all these rebels who are assassins and spies kind of go for the last hurrah, you know, Correct, in, yeah. in, in doing what they're doing. And let's also not forget, you know, we got to see Vader just fucking mm. kicking ass again. Probably the best five minutes in any movie just, I've seen in a long he time. He just tears shit up. I mean, it's the Vader you think must, must be there, right? Yeah. I mean, no one's yeah. afraid of just the guy who can strangle you. Yes, they're yeah. afraid of the guy who can take on on like, his own, like literally a battalion, and just take of them men in space, take them and just apart, tear them apart. Yeah. Like he just he it's rips like, through that spaceship. It's a wonderful scene, and it's yeah. it's 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 so well done. And it in that sense, it's it's a good connection with the prequels in the sense yeah. that now you see 
the sort of stuff which these poor soldiers are trying against them. Yeah. You know, having seen the other movies, that shit, dudes, this is not going to help you. Yeah, exactly. And it also goes to show that when the words Lord Vader are mentioned, why mm. there's like this, oh, fuck, yeah. Lord Vader, oh, yeah. shit. Because he's going to come on my spaceship and kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like the interaction with him and, and Krennic as well, where he's clearly in control. Yeah. And he likes almost taunting. You can see a bit of a cruel black yeah. humorous side of Vader coming out there yeah. where he's like he likes to use these horrible puns and <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know don't choke on your ambition while he's choking him yeah. and stuff like that I mean it's it's kind of funny yeah no it is it's 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 it, it does it creates a character and that's what I really yeah. love about it I mean what did, what did you think of the CGI though it was with, with Tarkin, Tarkin and, and Leia and Leia I thought I, look I mean it's still Uncanny Valley but it's mm. so it's Tarkin's so much close, closer to the other mm. side of that uncanny valley that it it's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I thought Tarkin was more impressive than Leia. Um, yeah, but I mean Tarkin gets more screen time, so yeah. and and so he becomes a character, whereas mm. Leia literally just turns around and kind yeah. of goes thanks. Um, I was impressed. I mean, I I think we're very close now to to the ability to create artificial people. Yeah. In, well, we already movies. We already have. We, mm. we, Keanu Reeves' entire career is based entirely on a, <laughs> on a, on a virtual actor. He's you know, the first real artificial person. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't actually exist. What are you talking about? Keanu Reeves doesn't have the range to be a human being. Shame. Um, Don't be nasty to no, Keanu. No, sorry, Keanu. So, no. so, so let's then so talk then about my number two and your number one. Yeah, so my number one is Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, back. what a great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's still to this day, I mean, it doesn't date. Hmm. The, the special effects are still pretty good. Yeah. Um, albeit probably the updated ones are, are better. Um, but uh, again, it's 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 interesting that both our number one and two are darker movies. They, yeah. They're darker versions of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where things go wrong, you know. Yeah. And and Empire Strikes Back obviously ends on a very unhappy note. Yeah. Um, well, a de- yeah, a definitely less hopeful note. Yeah. Everything seems a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, and also even the beginning, you know the. The rebels are kind of basically kicked out of their uh, secret it's, base again. Snow base, yeah. Yeah, and 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 there you really see the sort of disparity in power, right? Mm. So the, the empire no, shows is, up, and the first thing the rebels go is, "Okay, we better start the evacuation." It's like, yeah, no, you're not even fighting. No, no, no we're no. just leaving. No, have you seen the giant walking <laughs> robots that they've got shooting lasers? <laughs> yeah, we're we're, going we've, now. we've got like little like pistols. Mm. Yeah, let's run away as quickly mm. as possible. And again, I think there's, I mean, there's this classy acting all around. Mm. I think it's, it's difficult to pinpoint why it's such a good movie, but I think it is the classiness of the acting. Yeah, no, the acting definitely brings a, a mm. lot to it. Um, I think it's, it's Mark Hamill's best acting performance. Yes, second by far, time. by far. Um, I think it's Carrie Fisher's best mm. acting performance. And I think Han Solo finally, you know, Harrison Ford finally got the chance to mm. really spread his wings. Um, you know, that scene where he's being baked into carbonites no, with Carrie no, Fisher. No, I know. I, I know. You, you know, yeah. we, and we know that there was a throwaway line, but mm. it works. And it just shows yeah. how much Harrison Ford inhabited that character that, mm. it, that it works so well in that scenario. Yeah. While fucking Boba Fett walks around a walkway for 20 minutes. You know, it's mm. like, thanks, dude. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So, so uh, look, I, I do agree with you. And it's such a close call between those two. It and, is. And it's, it's also quite funny that one... Was and they're almost bookends, mm. you know. I think what what put one over the other for me is is the introduction of of the Yoda character in, in Empire Strikes Back and the whole introduction we have to the Jedi religion. Mm. And I remember when I was very young watching this because this is the first movie of stories I watched in the cinema, mm. and maybe that's also why it's number one. But oh. um, I remember like the the whole idea of the Force and the the way it's explained and everything seemed so eminently reasonable to me. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it made sense. It's it, like, okay, yeah. cool. And it's a cool mythology. It's, mm. it's this cool idea that if you are at peace and you're calm, you mm. can touch this other reality in the universe. Mm. Yeah, um, and, 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 and until he fucked it up with the prequel trilogy, mm. that, that, f- that feeling and that force mm. was something that was possibly available to anybody. You know, yeah. you felt that you could be a Jedi. Exactly. You know, and as a kid, that's a powerful thing to think. Very. You know, yeah. and if you act well mm. and you, you have peace and you have mm. understanding and you then you can also be a Jedi. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, that, and that's, a, that's really strong. It's nice, and it's got nice interactions. I, I think, actually, the interactions between the Yoda character and Luke Skywalker are very strong. It's, mm. it's funny. There's a lot of humor. Mm. And you do get that feeling that Yoda is a bit of a funny yeah. guy. He's, he's a bit of a well, trickster. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a kind of curmudgeonly trickster, and he, mm. like, he doesn't fucking like R2-D2 for shit, and he's banging <laughs> with his stick, and he, he eats all of uh, yeah. Luke's rations. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's kind of like he just, he's like... The Jedi is about people, mm. and and that's an a, that's a theme that is more or less successfully used throughout the all three trilogies. Well, I think that's another reason why the, the prequels are so crap is that that Lucas doesn't even understand his own. Well, mm. he didn't direct this movie, which is probably why it was pretty good. Yeah, but um, he doesn't even understand his own characters really mm. because Yoda, the way he's he's introduced to us in, in Empire. So now, if you think about the chronology of the movies, this is the first time we see this character, yeah. right? And and he's introduced as someone I think who wouldn't have been the the chief in charge of the council yeah. as he's portrayed in the prequels. Yes, exactly. He's this, he's the, he must in in my own head, you know, canon canon of of prequels. He's the guy who who never follows the rules. Yeah, who's always like rolling his eyes behind everyone's back when they're getting yeah. all self important. And he's not really portrayed like that in the prequels. He's not, he's seen as the chief in charge, right? Yeah. Where in, in Empire, he's definitely the guy who goes against the grain. Mm. He does zany things. Mm. He sort of, he, he constantly shakes his head and thinks, no, this is not about being great and about being yeah. important. It's about, you know, different stuff, yeah. you know. No, I agree with you. And that's, I think that's one of the downfalls of, is when people, mm. when, they, when, you, when that consistency is lost and, and you understand that, you know, let's put RLM up front instead of putting the people up front. Yeah. Well, that's, Good stuff. So yeah. we've done Star Wars. This is our Star Wars episode. That was our Star Wars episode, our episode nine, to coincide with the trailer for episode nine. Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting is that we haven't actually had that many differences. I think the main difference was our, our rating between... Uh, Jedi and Jedi. The two Jedis. Yeah. yeah. But overall, good stuff. So if you are new to the Star Wars uh, obsession, then uh, you would do... You could do worse than to uh, listen yeah. to us and, and follow in... You can really... Almost skip the prequels. Now that Matt and I have done the hard work for you, and yeah, we watch them. You don't we watch to. them and have been tortured by them. You don't have to do that. You know, you can just skip them and just go. And but I would still, yeah. I, I, even if the prequels were pretty good, I would still watch it in the sequence I watched it in, which is mm. go Star Wars: Empire, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. You know, it's a nice sequence to put it in. Yeah. Anything on your side you want to shout out to before we close off? Uh, no. Anything happening in your life you nothing. want to promote? Literally uh, nothing. No plugs. No. No. So I want to plug something, and that is the beginnerbrewer.com website. Oh, uh, shit. That's so a, that's, that's we've, we've gone through a major revamp. Huge redesign. Um, so if you haven't gone and checked it out, please do, and leave us some comments and, and ideas mm. on our Facebook page as well. Um, I think now that the redesign is done, it's probably mm. going gonna, gonna to be a little bit more uh, active. I hope so. And I, I mean, really want to encourage people to go and check out the website. Uh, go some, we've got some new things there for you. So there's new articles. I'm also busy rewriting a lot of the old articles to make them more current. Because they um, were rubbish. They were rubbish. And so I'm, <laughs> and I'm rubbish, rubbishing them. Yeah. Um, I'm also making sure, because we have a, a reasonably significant portion of people overseas listening in and reading 
articles. I'm, I'm making sure that they're in metric and imperial. Oh, really? Uh, is that no, that's the same thing, isn't it? No, metric and imperial are different. Oh, they're different, right, yeah. So I'm making sure that all the all the measurements are for everyone. And um, But yeah, a lot of the old articles are being rewritten. I'm adding a lot of new ones. Um, there's already a couple of new ones for you. It also looks better. I think it looks... It looks better. Pretty good. It's not, um, it's not shit. You can, you can obviously subscribe to the podcast through there. There's a couple of new features as well, which mm. I'd like to tell people about. So the, the main one is that we are launching a newsletter called the Cantina Chronicle. Mm. Yeah. So you can go and subscribe on the webpage, on any of the webpages. There's a subscription form you can fill in, and you'll get a monthly uh, newsletter. And we're going to have content in the newsletter, which you won't find anywhere else on the site. So there will be some exclusive recipes, some exclusive articles, uh, maybe even some exclusive podcast uh, events and so on to look forward to. New so, Nutpicks of Matt. Mm. Um, you know, Those are at the developers right now. Yeah, yeah. That, that's your layer bikini shot. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you'd be surprised how hard it was yeah. to find a bikini that fits my body Indeed. shape. Yeah, I play the role of um, the bikini, know, the hut, <laughs> <laughs> the bikini. <laughs> so, um, so do go and check it out. Go and yeah. sign up to the newsletter, please. And um, and after our hiatus on the podcast, that's mm, going to start happening a little bit more. We already got some more episodes out there now, so uh, we'll be launching quite a few more. Yeah, throughout yeah. the year. Stop being so incredibly lazy. Yeah, for, it's all you, man. For all seven of our listeners. All seven. Thank you for listening. Thanks. And we'll see you next time. Go watch some Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And enjoy the beers we spoke about today. Uh, see you next time.